Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. Four score and seven minutes ago, we, your forefathers, were brought forth upon a most excellent adventure, conceived by our new friends, Liam and Ollie. These two great gentlemen are dedicated to a proposition, which was as true in my time, just as it's true today. Be excellent to one another. And party on, dudes! <laughs> this, this, this is Adjust Your Tracking. A podcast where we're on an adventure to watch a century of cinema, decade by decade, year by year. I am one half of your host, Liam Delaney. And I am Oliver Jones. Excellent! Excellent! <laughs> this is the nerdiest thing ever. We've out-nerdied, what's it called? Batman Forever? <laughs> Probably, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've done episodes on F is for Fake, Barry Lyndon... Matt, uh, Wanda, and now Bill and yeah. Ted. Yeah, we're hitting all the heights. Bill and Ted, all that famous 70s films. franchise. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, welcome to our 70s miniseries. <laughs> where we're doing Bill and Ted. But it, it makes sense. Like, now and again, we always said we'll dip into films that mean a lot to us. And there is nearly a film out there that means as much to us as this film. Like, yeah, I think, definitely. As Friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think every and, Saturday um, and Sunday we're around each other's house. There's probably yeah. a Bill and Ted one or two was on on rotation. Probably, <laughs> if not being talked about or laughed about or joked about, and or I'm played in the certain, playground or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty certain our like proclivity for saying "dude" a lot might just stem from this. Oh, 100%. <laughs> More than any, there definitely wasn't a common parlance in Birmingham growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's definitely come from somewhere. But and there's a new Bill and Ted film out. Face the music. It's it should be on cinemas when this episode's dropping. I, I should hope. Sixteenth, I think. So, yeah. yeah, I think so. Which is a weird day to drop a film. I guess they do drop films on Wednesdays now, don't they? Like, yeah. I don't know. But um, and we thought we'd just talk about Bill and Ted, all of them, and the new one. And yeah. just give some context to it, because it's fun. And we all need some fun, don't you think, Ollie? Definitely. So um, what <laughs> what do you reckon your earliest memories of Bill and Ted were then? Like, Do you remember when you first saw it? Or I was trying to think about that today, because like, I definitely didn't see it in 89. Definitely. No. And I doubt I saw it in 91. So, well, maybe I did see it in 91. Maybe the fact that like Bogus Journey came out in 91 and and Bill and Ted then existed on maybe TV reruns or video VHSs. Yeah. Maybe that's when I saw Excellent Adventure and then saw Bogus Journey later. But I swear I got them both on VHS at the same time. You probably so, did. You probably had one of those combo packs, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, like yeah like you had both of the films in one pack, one of those huge double packs or something. I was going to say, I remember the exact moment I saw the first one. I was at Robert Kenyon's house because he had two okay. older brothers who like were definitely into like yeah, rock and yeah. roll and stuff like that. They had the they had the Keanu Reeves floppy fringe and they wore mm. the kind of the plaid jumpers and the the stone jeans and all that kind of stuff. And so it was definitely like that film was made for them. And I remember them yeah, putting yeah. it on one afternoon. And I think Chris sometimes Rob's older brother had to kind of watch over me and Rob sometimes if his parents went out and just stuck us in the lounge and put it on and 
we were hooked instantly and I borrowed the tape, took it home and I think I watched the uh, Excellent Adventure about seven times in a row if that's even possible. I know I must have annoyed my parents so much. Um, I remember my sister taking me to see Bogus Journey at the cinema okay. with Rob okay. as well. And I remember walking home and thinking, I'm never going to watch another film again because I will forget how amazing that film was. <laughs> I even remember that thought going through my head. That's so delightful. That's so wonderful. I wonder if I got it from you then, if you were so into it before me. I just don't remember. I, I tend not to remember when I first saw stuff at that age because it all gets merged together. Well, that young, so. like what, six, maybe six or yeah. seven, you know. You know, and God death... knows when Bogus Journey actually came out in the UK. I doubt it, it was 91. I think it was. It was. Like... It was oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. But like, um, yeah, with that young, everything merges together for me. Like, th- those kind of 80s films, I, I could have sworn I just saw them all at the same time. Actually, that's not true. I remember when I first saw Back to the Future 1. I saw yeah. Christmas. I remember sitting in the front room watching it. I, I was sitting right by the TV, like kind of lying on a pillow right in front of the television. <laughs> and I really remember seeing that. Well, I mean, like, Bats of the Future and other films like that all kind of go hand in hand with Bill and Ted for me. They're oh, quite absolutely. A, you know. That high but, concept comedies of the 80s. And I mean, yeah. you only even have to watch the intro of Bats of the Future and Bill and Ted, and they're quite similar. They're both set in, like, a garage. Both, yeah, that's true. They both involve speakers that blow up. They're both time travel <laughs> films, so, you know. But apparently, like, this film was written completely independent, like... I think it was written before they even knew what Bats of the Future was, or it even existed. So they really? Wrote... That's not the what I know about it, but because they wrote it in '87. Oh, really? I know they wrote the character. They created the characters beforehand, didn't they? Yeah, you're right. So the characters, Bill and Ted, were improv characters that the two writers used to do at college. Mm-hmm. Uh, two ideas of two like like um, losers at school who just have this kind of ridiculous language to each other, and they were just improv characters. They did right. But, the idea was to put them in a time travel movie and it was called Bill and Ted's Time Van was actually the oh, okay. <laughs> and um, Rufus was their 28 year old friend who was like the driver or something oh okay and um, they, and then they changed that because of Back to the Future because the, the Chevrolet van they thought was too close in concept to the DeLorean so right. they just came up with a time at the um, phone box which is nothing to do with Doctor <laughs> Who. Doctor. They never knew what Doctor Who oh, was. Oh, really? Which is, makes sense, because why would they? Yeah, you know, yeah. It didn't go to America until, like, what, 2005? But I guess it kind of makes sense. It's got digits on there, numbers that you can yeah, punch in. Yeah, you know I, mean? I love the simplicity of them dialing um, the time period or whatever, like yeah. like a phone number. I think it's so funny, and it really works. Did you know the one writer, his dad wrote I Am Legend, I think? Oh really? Yeah, he's the writer. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because the I think the history of all those films are really cool. If we, are we just getting into them? Are we, shall we get into yeah, Excellent Adventure? Yeah, let's go into. Like, it. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, Excellent Adventure comes out in 1989. It's directed by Stephen Herrick. Uh, you will know Stephen Herrick from such wonderful films as Go on, Ollie. Do you know? Oh, Mighty God. Ducks. Did he do Mighty Ducks? I feel like he, did he do The Borrowers? No, I might have made that one up. No, I don't think he did The Borrowers. Oh, he did. He um, did. 101 Dalmatians, didn't he? And yep, yep. Critters. Three Musketeers. Critters, as well, critters yep. The Critters was the only film he'd done before this film, so this was his second film. Right. Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead as well. Yeah, wonderful film. I love that film. And that Richard Dreyfuss classic, uh, Mr. Holland's 
Opus. Yeah, opus. Which, no lie, if you talk about films when you first saw them, I remember my dad renting that and I remember watching it like three times before we took it back <laughs> to the video store. And I don't know why. <laughs> I've seen it since then. You've got to get your money's worth. you got to get your money's worth, yeah. Especially from Mr. Holland's Opus. Such a era-defining film. With <laughs> 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 some of the best old-age makeup you've ever seen. Apparently this film, though, was like put on... Like, I think the company that made it, I think it was... Yeah, I think it I may have been the same this. company that did, like, Superman and stuff like that. And um, yeah. Super- yeah, and they kind of went bust, didn't they? June. It was a company that did June. Oh, was it June? Uh, so basically, war- basically, they wanted Warner Bros. wanted to make this film for ten million, and even in nineteen eighty nine, ten million was a pittance, especially to do like a high concept yeah. time travel thing with special effects and stuff. So, um, so basically, DEG got involved, who I can't remember their full title, but well, like, uh, wasn't it produced by Dino De Laurentiis or like his? That's company it, DEG. Or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Dino De something or other. Um, they put they pushed in all the cash and got a bit more money out of it. But when it went in the post production, DEG went into bankruptcy. Right. So what DEG did is they screened it all screened all their all the films they were making at the time, they screened all their rough cuts around town to try and get people to buy it. And no one would buy uh, Bill and Ted at all. Um to the point that basically the director had got called up by um whoever, I guess DEG's lawyers, telling them that they wouldn't even release it on videotape because they thought it was too expensive what? to even get it out there. And it was just going to be scrapped, basically. And then the last step, uh, Ryan and Nelson Entertainment step in and they buy it and they screen test it around town and it absolutely blows up on screen test. I don't understand um, how and... you could watch that film and think, nah, it's, it's not a good film. Like, it's... Well, I think... It's I know... Insane. But like what the production, what I think to get to, I'll get myself in twisty knots here. But like uh, one thing about the film is that it's about it's a proper Gen X film about how how our parents don't understand us kind of thing. Yeah. And um, the basically the, the executive didn't get it. That you know they were the parents that didn't uh, just understand. Just the older states people. Yeah, just kind of yeah. And the the funny thing about it is because by 1989, the idea of some it was it's you know it's aggressively San San um, Damas kind of uh, movie, but the, like by 1989, the idea that people walking around calling each other dude and that kind of slang was outdated. That kind of stuff was like 82, right? Really, you know, oh, like, like you think Fast of, Times at Regiment High and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but kind of by the time that came round, all the executives were like, "No one speaks like this. You can't release this film anywhere. This is just like." A town in California speak like this. You can't. How can you push this out anywhere? And they just believe that basically over anything else. But I guess as well at that time, the Ninja Turtles kind of came in, and they were all like Cowabunga and Dude and all that. So I guess yeah, that it all started was growing up. Yeah, come back in maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think what I find really interesting about the film as well is that Bill and Ted were envisaged to be like fourteen-year-olds. Oh really? Um, wearing like kind of outdated clothes like i think bell bottoms it says in the script and stuff and they were the kids at school you got you, that got picked on they weren't meant to be kind of cool or at all do you think they're a bit and more of was... a harold and lloyd from like dumb and dumber do you think they're meant to be more like yeah those i always guys? thought about like basically beefs and butthead more oh okay like kind of like that might not be what they're going for but just really dumb kids that people didn't like is i right. think the way the script was written and uh it's absolutely um the you know Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves that that pick up that script and change it like it's that's all in performance. It's so not you think they kind of itself. add that rock and roll element to it, kind of more. Yeah, 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 and just 
insanely lovable, which yeah. is like Keanu's whole thing as well, really. In 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 life, he's just the most insanely lovable man. Well, I mean, Alex um, Winter seems like an actual delight as well. If you ever like, yeah, you know, read him. Who like... almost didn't get cast as well, really, because that was meant to be Paulie Shaw. Oh my god! I know. <laughs> <That> <laughs> I can't do a Paulie Shaw. Bill, <laughs> what? These are heavy. Yeah, dude, heavy metal, man. <laughs> you know, I feel like the dude in the Wizard of Oz. Straw, dude? No, not that, dude. If I only had a heart, well, I'd be most triumphant and ever far. If I only had a heart. Way to go, dude! <laughs> Which is funny because he'd basically end up making a career based on, like, kind of out kind of not outdated but kind of picking up on the popularity oh yeah 100 like in the 90s you definitely i would say even maybe wayne's world was kind of head off the heels yeah. of bill and ted yeah. even beavers and butthead and you know things like that but i think um and other casting news uh they wanted eddie van halen as rufus but they really? basically couldn't afford him so they end and they kind of accidentally ended up on George Carlin. I think the way that um, the writer says it is just it was a weird, happy accident and they can't remember how it happened, <laughs> which is I just love. It's insane when you watch it back though, because I think Rufus is in four scenes. Yeah, he's barely in it. Yeah, and in yeah, the second he's... one, he's in two scenes. He's not in it at all. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's so weird that he, he kind of looms large. But he makes such an impact. Yeah, in that yeah. film, and like you know, and the sequels all, and the third one's all about him now. Really, I know, yeah, and it's like, it's kind of like what they're doing with the Ghostbusters film. I guess they're kind of honouring that character by making it about yeah. them, really. Yeah, and um, but like Rufus is like nothing like George Carlin's like comedic no persona. No, not you know at I mean? all. It's not one of those stand-up performances. Yeah, you know, like, I really like about it. Like what's um, what's the guy in Demolition Man called? Oh, Rob Schneider. Um, no, 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 no. The guy who's in the the Fireman show. The I'm an asshole. Guy. Oh, Dennis Leary. Fucking... Dennis Leary, yeah. In Demolition Man, he's just doing his stand-up. Oh, yeah, yeah, when yeah. He's, when he's underground with Stye and talking about, like, you know, those with their whatever and whatevers. He's just doing his I'm an asshole stand-up. Like, didn't he just, and... didn't he, like, rip off Bill Hicks as well, that guy? Wasn't he, like, done for, like, plagiarising? Yeah. Bill I don't know if he was done for plagiarising. I just always thought they were really alike. Right. But... Um, but I don't know. I don't know enough about that. But um, yeah, the, George Carlin. This is not doing a just a George Carlin stand-up at all. To the point that when I first, I definitely saw this before I knew who George Carlin was. Yeah, but and... we wouldn't have known who he was to be honest, especially in in England, really. No, no. And I don't even. I guess he was really popular in America when he did this because all he's got seventies albums and stuff, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. But um, he was. I assume I really... he was like the Billy Connolly of like. Yeah, that's maybe. kind of that's kind of what I always thought about it, but like maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. That might. Yeah, I think I like that. <laughs> but I only really know George Carlin from his later stuff. You know, the white hair George Carlin stuff is yeah, the stuff yeah, I know. But yeah, you're right. He doesn't do his stand-up performance in this. He's just playing the character Rufus, which works. You know, like it's like a, what was the George Carlin joke? It's like it says, if uh, four out of five people suffer from um, diarrhea, does that mean one person enjoys it or something like that? That's like the level of his like humor. But I think he did get a bit more political, didn't he? As he kind of went along and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just always angry. Yeah. Like, and and as he got older, he got angrier. Like, and and you could <laughs> all sense old men do though. 
That's true. <laughs> Even to the point that sometimes his anger was like, come on, George, you're misplacing this. Yeah. Like, why are you angry at, like, plain wings or something? I don't know. <laughs> like, or, like, chicken wings or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm, what's his name? Um, yeah, Larry David. Larry David. He's the same. <laughs> Similar sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. But um, apparently, basically, George Carlin was shooting a film with one of the producers and just finished, and they basically just pushed him onto this film. Like, there was barely any discussion. They were trying to get, like... The I think Ringo Starr would have been on the list. Roger Daltrey. I could They were really going for like a rock star. I could understand why they'd want to do that. Like, um, yeah. I mean, Roger Daltrey, I could kind of understand because he's acted before and he's not a bad actor. But like, um, but like Ringo Starr would be awful. <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie Van Halen would be terrible. Like, if Eddie Van Halen's in the film, he should be as Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, because they talk about uh, yeah. him so much in the well, not a lot, but they they mention him in. The they film, do. He's all over that film. Yeah, which I always find interesting because you can tell where the culture was in 1989. Because I don't. This this is another. Well, I reckon the culture was. I think because this film was probably shot in 86, it was definitely that culture then. Maybe by 89, that's kind of when <laughs> sure. the shift happens and it starts to become more like grunge starts to come in and alternative rock is a bit like faith no more and stuff like that as opposed and the chili peppers yeah and like i i the weird thing about kind of eddie van halen to me is that i i know van halen's huge in america i don't consider them a big band in at all yeah like i i i know like one song by them and i'm not like somebody who doesn't know rock music i just find it so weird that he's at some point they were like the biggest band in america well, like, they're even referenced in uh, Bats of the Future, aren't they? Because Are they? Yeah, because when uh, Marty's got the tape and he's kind of got the, the hazmat suit on or whatever and he's kind of over George oh, McFly's bed, yeah. he puts a Van Halen cassette tape does, in his... Yeah. But, like, the only songs I know from Van Halen are Jump, Jump yeah. Panama, uh, Ain't Talk oh, About oh. Love, which is actually a tune. I love that. Oh, yeah. Um, and Hot for Teacher, and that's about it. Really. I was going to say, did they do Hot for Teacher? Yeah, that was yeah. the one I was trying to think. Did they got do it bad, got it bad, got it bad. He's Hot for Teacher. That's Hot for Teacher. <laughs> did they do Cherry Pie? Mm, was that Motley Crue? I don't know. Oh, maybe it's Motley Crue. I'm sure like... they, all, they all kind of blend together, don't they, really? <laughs> they do. <laughs> Which, um, talking of that, you know that the three, the three most important people, you know, in the utopian society... You know, when they go to the future. Yeah, yeah, the three yeah. people that run the future. They were meant to be ZZ Top. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Again, going back to Back to the Future. Yeah, totally. They absolutely. Did, uh, what was the song they did for that? Double Back. No. Triple double Back, back isn't it? So, you got to Double Back. Which was shooting right at this point, actually. Yeah, it probably was, actually. Yeah. I can't ZZ Top. It it does. It would make sense to have like famous musicians, I guess, as the yeah. elders and stuff. Um, yeah, it would It'd make perfect sense. I, I get, I get it. And I do what I do like jumping ahead to Bogus Journey. What is funny to me is the difference in society between the two of them because you have like hair metal in the ni- in the eighty nine one, and it's absolute grunge by the nineteen. Oh yeah, one. they're all wearing. They're both wearing like. Stonewashed and, and the plaid, and yeah, yeah, all got added ash trainers and, on and stuff like that. And it's all Faith No More, 
yeah. throughout the whole film. Like, we definitely got more metal in the second one as well, but we'll get to yeah. that. Yeah, this one, I think... I don't think they had the budget to get like your A-list kind of rock tracks or whatever. So they have like mm. Bricklin and... Um, I'm trying to think who else is in it. Uh, like bands that you never heard of, like Extreme and Robbie Rob. Yeah. Robbie Rob, talk. yeah, who does in time, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Break pig, pig, who do break away, which I think is the first song in the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shark Island, Tora Tora. I mean, none of these bands I've ever heard anything by. No, I, I know Extreme from one other song, but yeah, like I know Robbie Rob because of this soundtrack. That's it. Yeah, and not that I think I've ever listened to the soundtrack. I just, you know, I just know that. Song I've listened to it quite song. a lot. It's on YouTube, and you can listen to the whole thing. And it, I, think it? I think they're on Spotify now. So um... <laughs> check it out. Yeah, man. But the the Bogus Journey soundtrack was much bigger because you got like Steve Vai all over it. I think as well. Well, you know, Faith and More were hot at that time. They're yeah. on there. You've kind of got. Um, I think you got Megadeth. Primus. Megadeth. Megadeth yeah. are doing like. Um, they It's basically a piss take of. Um, Enter Sandman, because you know the whole famous story of that Dave Mustaine was in Metallica and he got kicked out. I think because allegedly he kicked James Hetfield's dog and he was an alcoholic and he was completely insane. <laughs> so he got kicked out of the band and so I think he did a piss take song and it's, it's in like I don't like Megadeth. There's some of their riffs are okay, but his voice is horrible. I couldn't tell you Megadeth um, song if you put I'm a gun to my head. Else is on it. Obviously, you got the Kiss cover. Um, Kiss, or, yeah. It's not. Kiss. And you got a um, Winger. I'm trying to think who did the song, though. God gave rock and roll to you, because it's not Kiss, who wrote it originally. Isn't it? No, it's a a 70s song by... Let me try and think what it's called. Apparently, it's a a band called Argent. That's it, yeah. Who I've never heard of. That's why the the song in the film is called God gave rock and roll to you, too. Oh. Yeah. Well, I've learned something. When I I saw Kiss Live, I had my phone ready the whole way through. Because I was (laughs) getting ready to film this moment when they played that song. (laughs) And then when they left the stage, they played it just over the speaker as everyone walked out. I was like, for fuck's sake. Oh, that's a cheap one. But I found out, though, like me me and Caroline quite jazzed after the Kiss concert. Because it was really good. And we thought, Mm. let's see if there's any online we can watch while we're eating our tea one day. And so we found one from about 10 years prior, and it's exactly the same set. They have been playing the same set for like <laughs> 20 years. It hasn't changed. <laughs> they play like, so like Gene Simmons will come out and do his terrible bass solo where he's just like, going blah, 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 and he's got like a blood pill in his mouth and he's just spewing blood out. Paul Stanley's the lead singer. Yeah. yeah. And, um, He's he's so camp, it's amazing. Like he's like uh, he's like shouting to the crowd because there's a podium like in the middle of the crowd, and uh, yeah. he's like, "Do you want me to come and see you?" And they're like, <laughs> the crowd's like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, you've got to invite me over." And then he gets on, <laughs> like, everyone chants him, and he gets on this little zip line, and he zips onto the middle of this like podium, and he's like rocking out. He's seventy year old Jewish guy just rocking. <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> and these big platforms. Yeah. Oh, man. How they walk around those platforms and do all the stuff know. they do, I don't know. But, yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Where were we? Yeah, Primus is on that sign track as well. They're actually in the film, yeah, yeah, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think a couple of them are in there. I think Primus and another band are in, are in the, the Battle of the Bands. 
the guitarist from Faith No More's in Bogus Journey, who got sacked out. Of yeah, Faith yeah, he's no at the start. Yeah, he for, yells "Station" for at being the cast. A, a homophobic asshole. But... Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you know, but the the keyboard player in Faith No More is gay, and I didn't know apparently that. it came out that he was a massive homophobe and didn't like being in a band with a gay guy, so they just kicked him out. Oh, what a twat! Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Faith No More. Well, Faith oh, No More are good. They kicked him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so like it. I don't know. What can you say about well, I mean, Ted? It's just like. Did you did you watch the? Um, I sent you a link to um, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter doing um, their auditions for Bill and Ted. Oh, cool! I didn't watch it. No. And they're they're both originally they were cast as the other characters, so. Mm. So Bill was so Alex Winter was Ted and Keanu Reeves was Bill and somehow they just swapped. But, oh right. Yeah. One the father of a country. Two uh, the dollar bill guy. Right. Three, um, born on President's Day. <laughs> yeah. And you ever make a mushroom out of his head? Ted, Alaska. Moby Dick. Yeah, Chase Moby Dick. That's Captain Ahab, dude. Oh yeah. Well, oh shit. Oh yeah, like Disney World. You remember the Hall of Presidents? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Um, what do you say? Welcome to the Hall of Presidents. Oh, They've got this. Um, what's his face? Uh, Keanu Reeves is so good as Ted. I love watching him. He's just got this like, like lucidity to him, and he's always kind of moving just and always like that reacting floppy to kind stuff. of. Yeah, yeah. And that smile he uh, gives, like just that look. Yeah. And he's so, and he's always like he's always a hair beats away from being like upset by something, but you can always tell him something nice, and he's okay by it. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I just I love him. I'm just wanting him to be here all the time, you know. Like, and it's just like they're just these. It's a real 1989 film because it's about these two slackers who have to save the world, kind of. Because they don't actually ever do that storyline um, up until yeah. the third film. Yeah. And, like, at the start of the film, they want to make a band. And at the end of the film, they want to make a band. And they can't play any better. But there's more people in the band. That's basically, like, the character progression. It, it's film. a strange film in the fact <laughs> that it does set up you're going to save the world. But you're actually not yeah. going to save the world in the film. The thing you just have to do on this is pass your history test. Because otherwise past history. you have to go yeah. to military school and the band won't happen. <laughs> yeah. And it won't happen unless you get through this. Yeah. Which I can't. It's surprising that I don't think they wrote this with um, sequels in mind, to be honest. I think they just wrote it as yeah, a... Yeah kind of it's kind of a piss take on those kind of 80s family movies like john hughes movies really it's got a real dysfunctional family element to it um instead of the kind of wholesome family element well yeah you kind of you see through stuff you've got that awesome scene in bill's bedroom when like yeah. you know his dad's <laughs> got the young token wife and just gives yeah. bill a load of money just to bugger off so he can kind just of get off. <laughs> so he can get his end away in his bedroom and, um, and you get the kind of you get the angry dad who's a cop and the the, the younger brother who doesn't want to hang out with anyone and stuff like yeah. that's kind of more what the film is. And then weirdly enough, you got this packed full of this time travel element to it, which is wonderful. Like I, I just every time I watch Excellent Adventure, I love everything that's happening in that film. I, yeah. Like I, I love Billy the Kid. 
I love how like he just gets used to time travel. Just straight away, it. he's just like he's into <laughs> it. And Socrates as well. And Socrates is one of the best characters ever written, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like, it, like I just love how they're friends. I want a film about them as friends. Like, you know, going through time and hitting on girls and stuff like that. Like, I, I absolutely love them. I... And uh, a really amusing point that a classicist made. Well, amusing maybe if you're a classicist. But, like, the we don't really know what Socrates said. Um, he, all, all his words have been written by other people. Um, because he was the teacher of Plato, the teacher of Aristotle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all hand-me-down kind of... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in this film, no one knows what he says either because he doesn't speak... No one speaks ancient Greek. <laughs> so, like, even though we've met Socrates, we still don't actually know anything about what he actually says. It's all translated through people. <laughs> all we which... are is dust in the wind. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> and he's so happy about that. Like, he's so pleased. <laughs> oh! <by it. laughs> We've been there. It was most tranquil. Apparently where they filmed that sequence, no one had ever filmed in there before at all, ever, because it was like kind of a sacred area and stuff like that. But, oh, right. But, wow. uh, Dino De, La- De Laurentiis being who he was, mm. and I think it's shot in Italy, some of that, like he's Italian. Yeah, it was, yeah. So he was he able to sort that out because of who That's he was and his position, yeah. That's really cool, though. And he just got this, it, the film really works because it's this wide-eyed look at the future. It's this idea that, like, po- our pop culture and our technology are going to produce, like, a really happy future. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be wonderful and it'll work out. And that the, the 1989 film is full of that, like, and it's a real product of when it was made. The 1991 film gets a little more jaded, um, but still it's there. You've got that kind of idea that they will do this. It will work out. You just have to kind of believe in yourself and be happy and you can get through all these struggles and you can be there together. And it's just this wide-eyed look at the future, which is absolutely a product of his time because by the time 19... Sorry, by the time 2001 comes around, by the time of, like... Yeah. Like, like that seems like an ancient world post, mm. like, 9-11, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. It, it seems like just such a different idea to the future. That if you wrote a film now, the idea that our pop culture is going to make everyone happy, everyone would just be like, what? Like, <laughs> like that's, that's not a thing. Let alone, like, the actual elements of the time travel, just the general kind of feeling of the film. It's not a film that you make now. Which, you know, the larger point, I love the fact that Bill and Ted's come out now. Yeah, uh, like especially it makes this year. Sense to me. Yeah, when, yeah, you know, totally. Shit has fully hit the fan. And, um, <laughs> yeah, like, do you know what? I've seen people who poo-poo the new film, and we'll get to it later. But like, it's it, yeah, it's like, well, this film wasn't made for you. Fuck off. <laughs> like, go sure. away. Be cynical somewhere else. I don't want to hear your cynicism. This film isn't. It's not about cynicism. No, it's yeah. not. It's not. Well, it it is. It's a little bit like. Oh God, I am such a dork. <laughs> it's a little bit like Last Jedi because the film starts with these two characters that just kind of are not believing in themselves anymore. Yeah. Like they, and like they kind of do, but they, you know, Bill Ted basically says he's not going to do it anymore at the start of the new film. Um, even though that quickly goes away, but it is a film that kind of these two people are learning to trust themselves yeah. and to trust the fact that well, they you, are going to save everything. You, you, I mean. You have to have character progression in a film. That's how it works, yeah. you know. Because, you know, like in real life, people do go ebbs and flows. Sometimes mm-hmm. they are super confident about themselves, and then next week, you know, they may feel really shit. And, you know, yeah, Bill and Ted may feel great in the first film, 
It doesn't mean saying the second one they feel great. Do you know what I mean? It's just how yeah, life, you know. So and then like they kind of meet them at a point when they've even though they are the most optimistic, happy, lovely people in the world, they've kind of been beaten down by life a little bit. Yeah, and it's kind of lovely that it all works out, and I think that's why it works. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Excellent um, adventure. I loved um, just... Napoleon as well. I thought he was great. And he has his yeah. own little adventure. He has his own little adventure. Sometimes you just need to eat, see Napoleon eat a load of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you know that was originally meant to be Hitler as well? What? Yeah, that was originally meant to be Hitler. Yeah, I'm kind of glad they changed that. <laughs> yep, yep, good change. Good change. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're kind of the writers were like, um, this, this is problematic. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll go for Napoleon instead, who's, you know, slightly less modern, problematic character. <laughs> but, um, I love the fact of Napoleon in it. And I just, like, they were meant to go, because they mentioned Caesar being in the film, so they were meant to go to, to meet Caesar as well. Um, I think they end. They were originally meant to end up causing his death. Oh, really? Um, I think you know in the script they call him the salad dressing dude. Is the oh yeah, what they yeah, call yeah. him at the original in the film. And um, they were meant to befriend a caveman in the historical. Well, area. they do go yeah, there, when, don't they? That's when they fix the. They time They do, yeah, when then. they're fixing the time thing. I love, I love janky time travel as well. Yeah, that's yeah. what. It, and I love how the the um phone box kind of just barely holds itself together i love the fact they managed to fit all those people in there it's insane (laughs) it's insane (laughs) and there's the like it's um it's like a star trek cast like who they pull together in in um bill and ted like the whole thing with star trek is what gene roddenberry always said is the not allowed internal conflict in the crew um that kind of changed after he died but like the fact that they just pull all these people out from different time periods and and wildly different cultures and societies and they all just like each other and they all just become a band of friends is like one of my most favourite things <laughs> to have in a film. We did forget to... Me- that- Sorry, we forgot to mention though, like we did say it'd be cool if they cast musicians in the film. Uh, the girl who played Joan of Arc is uh, Jane uh, Wieldlin and she was from the Go-Go's. I didn't know So that. they did cast some That's musicians. That's cool, yeah, yeah. And the that guy, really the cool. guy who plays Genghis Khan, is basically in every '80s film, isn't he? In like, um, yeah, Big he is, or yeah. China and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he is. Yeah, I'll pull it out. It's, it's, um, is that it's A or a- Al? Al, Al Leong. Yeah. yeah, I think he's. I think there's a documentary about, about him, and it's called like that Asian guy or some. Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. I'm sure there's a documentary about him. Awesome Asian bad guys? Yeah, something like that. Is yeah. that what it is? Something like that, yeah. He's one of... Because most of the actors in that aren't really people that I know very well. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I it, like you said, it didn't. Really. It had a budget of 6.5 million, I think. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like they were going to get, like, name people. George Carlin is the biggest name in the film. Yeah, by far. Yeah. And people always say that it was, like, Keanu Reeves' first film, but that's completely not true. Like he he worked a ton of films before this. Same with Alex Winter. He was like a yeah. child actor, and he was in like Lost Boys, and I think he was in like Death Wish and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just one of these weird. It's like people always say Six Sense is like M Night's first film, and it's just not true. It's yeah. just one of these things that people just believe because it's the first time they became really popular, and you just think someone this good must have 
this must be the first thing they've done because otherwise I would have known who they were. It's that kind of element. No, they're that it. good because they've worked that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're like they're brilliant in their roles. I think they're so good. They are. They are absolutely just. They absolutely nail it. And it's uh, it's because of them that this film hits and as it, hard as it, it does. It does annoy me like... when like people say that Keanu Reeves is a bad actor because he's not. He does get mis. He used to get miscast a lot. Yeah, but he's he went really... for a time period in the nineties of really trying to be an action hero as well, yeah. which he is. But like it, he just they he's would. A, he's a particular type of action hero. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, yeah, he's yeah. the silent type. You don't kind of have him as the quippy kind of. You know. I mean, Speed was good. Speed's great, but then Speed's you know, great, but like, but then you, you got Johnny reaction, Ma- yeah, Johnny Mnemonic, Johnny Mnemonic, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, <laughs> Johnny Mnemonic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what I don't know, the, there's loads of stuff like that. The Devil's Advocate is very misplaced casting. Yeah, his accents all over the place. Um, famously, like Dracula, yeah, all over Dracula. the place. Then he gets a few really shitty just remakes like Day the Earth Stood Still and stuff. Yeah. Um, John Constantine is a weird one. It doesn't, you know. But like he just worked a lot, I think, is the thing about Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Compared to other actors. And I guess like John Wick kind of changed everything for him, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, the Matrix, obviously. Before... The Matrix, yeah. Like the Matrix can. He's done enough to sec- him. secure himself a life that he'll always eventually bag something that will kind of hit i think like yeah yeah and yeah of course he'll have the one or two in between that probably don't quite work but he will have he'll always get those well i think it's a credit for him for coming back to actually do bill and ted um not you know not that you think someone would be too egotistical but like he's clearly doing it because he loves it it's he doesn't need it, as you say. Oh, yeah. He doesn't need to And do it's his friendship and... with Alex Winter, because obviously they they, yeah. they formed a tight bond making those films. And, you know, they it's something they were passionate about doing together if they got the right idea to do it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Give it time. And uh, it's a shame Alex Winter kind of stopped acting kind of pretty much after Bill and Ted. He, you know, he did um, Freaks, which he directed, which is an odd film, sure. but it's a fun film anyway. But then he just went into directing, didn't he? And did a lot of documentaries and stuff like that. Right? Yeah, big documentary filmmaker. Yeah, yeah he did that um, film about child stars, which yeah. was meant to be really good. I'm, um, I can't wait for his Frank Zappa one. It's, I think it's going to be awesome. Oh really? And he did one about he the. One. He did one about the dark web. Oh, well. he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Downloaded. I yeah. think it was called, wasn't it? He also directed the um, the Ben Ten films as well. <laughs> Oh, did he? Yeah, he was gonna. He was gonna remake the Gate as well, but he, that never materialised. Yeah, so he's worked a lot in TV and worked a lot. Yeah, in I think he's a talent. He's a he's stuff. a he's a proper talent. Alex, Winters. I think so too. He's a it's a proper like, it's a proper silly thing people say about Bill and Ted is they'll say like one became Keanu Reeves and the other one disappeared from yeah. sight, and it's not true. He just did other things, you know. And like he's a talented guy, did other things. Again, we'll go. We'll get back to it later, but like. In Face the Music, it, it did not feel like he had like a 25 plus year absent no. in, in acting. Do you know what I mean? He no. embodied that character straight away. And I, you know, yeah. I did not not believe him as Bill for a second. No, and they, they, they feel like um, equal leads as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't, it didn't feel like the writers had gone, um, well, Keanu's a huge movie star, so we'll make him the lead of the film. 
um, which you can imagine people doing. But I have a feeling Keanu Reeves, being who he is, would probably say, I don't want that anyway. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, it's got to be equal footing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if those if think... those stories are meant to be true, that he paid, like apparently on the Matrix, the Matrix sequels, he didn't, the money he made from that, he didn't keep it. He gave it all to the stunt crew. And um, Wow. And like, you know. That's so cool. And there's the stories that he doesn't drive a car, he rides the, the bus yeah, and the train yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And he just seems like a very cool dude. He seems like a really nice guy. And there's the whole like sad Keanu things and stuff like that. Like, because he's had a bit of a hard life. Oh, with, yeah, like, with his past relationships and stuff like, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, he just, I do really like him. And it just, there's something about him comes through this character. It's not totally on the page. It yeah. isn't. And that's not, it's not to take anything away from the writers who we haven't mentioned yet, but like, um, that's Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon. Yeah. Who, um, um, Chris Matheson ends up writing, I think he did the Goofy movie, a Goofy movie, I think. Um, and Ed Solomon, you'll know from like Men in Black yeah, yeah. and then Super Mario Brothers as well. Like, um, you can so you, like you can definitely tell with Super Mario Brothers that's from the yeah, guy that can. wrote Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And Men yeah, Black. you can. You can really. Feel and actually, that. Um, Freaked. You can like I was watching Burgers doing it today, and Station particularly is absolutely kind of. I reckon this and the the um, Afterlife sequences. Is so much Alex Winters to me. Oh well, I mean, what... Alex Winter plays the granny in Bogus Journey. Yeah, and I think it's the same makeup artist in from Bogus Journey who then did Freaks and then did the old age right? makeup and the muscle makeup in Face the Music. I think so. There's, cool. So there's awesome. there's definitely a line that kind of they all kind of it's like Freaks is like Bill and Ted's kind of ugly brother. Do you know what I mean? Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could. I was watching it. And I never because knowing Alex Winter, knowing Alex Winter a little better now, I was like, I can see his like influence on this beyond just him acting. And I don't know if that's just because he made friends with the set designers or whatever. But like, I could see Alex Winter's in it and as yeah. well as seeing Keanu. Yeah, because Keanu plays the dog boy in Freaks, and like he's not yeah, even yeah, credited. Yeah. He's not even credited in the film, and I think that's some sort of <laughs> rights thing because he wasn't. He wouldn't get paid what he's supposed to get paid. But obviously, because of their friendship, he was like, oh, of course, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Bill and Ted, I don't know what more to say about the first film. I could talk about it forever, but we have to kind of move on. But, like, yeah. San Dimas High School just... Football Rules. <laughs> Interesting things that I learned. Um, because they were, they said they were doing a similar approach to history as Monty Python, they just hired the um, production designer from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> you can do, actually like, see stuff. that. That's, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Absolutely comes through. Uh, that's especially in the, this, the medieval name. scenes obviously you know yeah 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 which looks exactly the same really i love the fact that um, ted rolls down the stairs in his um is like you know they're dressed up as in the the suit, knights yeah the, the suits of armor and he rolls down the stairs and perfectly falls out of it and the <laughs> the costume stays intact it's incredible <laughs> Well, my whole life, I've thought about how that works too many times. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, like tried to get the physics in my head to see what the hell's going on here. Like, um, yeah, I don't know what the you know. I just the kind of the chaos that just happens at the end. I I love how I, I love that just tearing through the mall. I love how they all form like friendships, and you can think about the historical characters talking behind the scenes. They feel fully fleshed out. Even though there's, they're barely on screen, really, and then like they nail the end, and that's what works with Bill and Ted. Like that history presentation, they nail it. Like it, it 
works emotionally and it works in the film and works comedically. And that's hard to do. Apparently the original ending and they shot it was just in the classroom and that's how they were going to do their presentation. But they were like, no, it's got to be, it's got to be like a stage it's really show. It's got to be like a yeah, rock yeah. show. But like, yes, it has to. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, apparently there were scenes deleted where there was a dance number at the beginning and that was cut out. And then there was a prom sure. sequence at the end. It was cut out. But, you know, all films have okay. like deleted scenes. And yeah. Yeah. I can see that doesn't need them. Yeah. At all, right? Well, deleted scenes deleted for a reason most of the time. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's a mistake. But like, like Beavis and Butthead has got an amazing um, deleted sequence where um, Beavis uses the um, uh, what's the the Constitution? Uh, what's it called? You know the um, what, the American Constitution. Constitution yeah, he wipes his ass with that sure. basically. <laughs> 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 and that was deleted from the film but it's a really good little sequence and for some reason they deleted it <laughs> there is a character that's still in the credits in Bill and Ted called John the Surf and he, they picked him up from the medieval period and he had a running gag throughout the whole film about pudding cups and that was completely taken out of the film how, but he's still in, he's how, still credited how did they de- how did they delete him in the film when he's not in the wide shots of them like you know, <laughs> you, know when they're, you know when they're like all in the phone box and they're all kind of Whoa! yeah yeah and then the bit all when they're my- all cleaning the house and like yeah. bombarding the um the well my favorite bit that i quoted to you today when they land in the garden and they're just giving deaths different names to them yeah. like, this is De- this is dave beethoven uh maxine of herman <laughs> the kid bob genghis khan socrates johnson dennis Floyd, and uh and abraham lincoln <laughs> and talking of the abraham lincoln guy like like He's in my head, Abraham Lincoln, apart from like you know, um, Daniel Day Lewis. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, those are the two actors in my mind that can do Abraham Lincoln, and there's no one else. And if I ever think about him, I think about this actor, <laughs> him running away in the mall because they, 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 the photographer wants his hat back. So, like, after this film, I know they. They were like, you know, obviously it was a success. So yeah, it was a huge. I a think huge one hit, of yeah. the ideas that was put on the direct the the writers to make was like they go inside books or something like that instead of like time okay. traveling. But I don't think they were obviously keen on doing like rehashing the same idea. I think the no, idea was they had to do a book. They, they had to do a book report, so they go inside books and take the characters or whatever out of books. Okay. But then, you know, in the in the interim between the films, there was a live action TV series. Oh, I don't want to talk about these. Which I, love the history of I watched a bit of it, and it looks yeah awful. And they seem a bit more mean spirited. Uh, yeah, than, than, they definitely are. Do you know what I mean? And no, it's really do you know because there was at one point in 1991, well 1990, there were two um, shows running that are both called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. One was a cartoon. And, one was the cartoon and one was the live action. Um, the the weird thing about the cartoon is that the original cast was yeah yeah you know, well the, the first cast. series not the second series yeah. But what happened after the first series because it was produced by Hanna Barbera in 1990 and then it was produced by Warner Bros. Was it Warner Bros. or Fox? No, it's Fox. Yeah. For um, 1991, and because they had their live action show coming. They replaced the original actors with the actors in the live action show to do the voices. Oh, is that who does so, the voice in the, the, the yeah, cartoon? Yeah. Okay. So there is a continuity um, there then. So there is a continuity, yeah. But also in nineteen ninety one, Bogus Journey was coming out. So um so 
the show winners of Bogus Journey basically argued with Fox to say you're not allowed to release the new cartoon or the live action show until we hit a certain box office on Bogus Journey because you'll affect our return. Oh, okay. So they, so eventually they do and they push out the cartoon, which gets cancelled before the sitcom even, well, the live action show hits is this, the air. So which version is that? The Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter one? Or the no, 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 the new the one new with one the new voice act cast, Cause yeah. Because the, the actual animation style, it looks very similar. There's a slight yeah, variation. It is. Yeah, it's very similar. It's a slightly more cartoony or something. There is, yeah, or I don't know how to word it even. But yeah, it's slightly different. So yeah, that gets cancelled before they even get on the air for the live action one, and then the live action one has seven episodes and one and un- shown pilot, which comes on, and yeah, it flops hard. I mean, flops. Really if hard. anyone wants to watch it, the ho- there's a three hour cut on YouTube of like all of them put together of the live action one, and it is it's pretty awful. It's, it's really re- yeah, the idea, I mean, it makes sense. The idea of the cartoon and the live action show is basically there's a different plot each week, yeah. a different thing that Bill and Ted have to solve for school and then go through time to fix it, basically. It's like. a bit kind of saved by the bell, I guess, isn't it? Kind of that yeah. kind of vibe. It, it's a perfectly fine idea for a show, but the show, the, the TV show, the live action one, had no budget at all. And so there's, no, there's nothing they can really do. Yeah. And it's weird that they. They thought they could do more in a live action show than a cartoon yeah. with no budget. I remember there was but, one. Um, there was one episode of the cartoon where they actually go inside of a TV show, and it's black and okay. white, and then it starts to become color as it goes on. So Pleasantville. Yeah, exactly. Pleasantville before Pleasantville. <laughs> there's um, there's an episode of the live action show where they go to the 1930s and everything's in black and white, and Bill and Ted see everything in black and white, too. And then they go back to the future with a character from the 1930s and she's in black and white in the future. Oh, uh, maybe that's which, what I'm thinking of. Maybe I'm a bit confused, but maybe maybe that's... It's the... weird anyway. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was that was dumb. But to be fair to whoever did Ted, I actually think he gets, he gets the mannerisms and voice of Keanu actually okay-ish. He doesn't have the Ted hair though because apparently there's a thing called Ted hair where Keanu Reeves would like he'd have to like there's there's certain scenes in the first film that Keanu Reeves isn't happy with because he hadn't perfected his Ted hair and then (laughs) apparently before each take he had to do something perfectly with his hair and that's how he got that little mushroom kind of effect and that's what he calls his Ted hair the other guy hasn't got Ted hair the girl in the new film definitely has Ted hair yeah you're right I like his hair in the new film. I think it looks good. Yeah. Um, um, there was also a toy yeah. line as well, which I have to mention. Which was there? Okay. Yeah, I, they didn't really come out here, but apparently, like, if you squeeze their legs together, it it moves their arm, and they do like a little guitar motion, and the, the guitars could plug into a cassette tape player that would have the Bill and Ted like theme music on it. And so every what? time you squeeze their legs, a bit of the music would burst out of this like little speaker. <laughs> That's insane. But yeah, so you could get Bill, you got the you could collect a band. So you got Billy the Kid, Death, um, yeah, Bill and Ted, Genghis Khan. You can get all the, Abraham Lincoln and stuff like that. <laughs> no way, I would have been all over that. Oh, I would have. Like, they're so expensive. If you want to try and get them now, like ridiculously I can expensive. Imagine, yeah. But yeah, there's something so special about the Bill and Ted. I mean, as someone who's kind of obsessed with history, time travel movies are always really yeah. like 
big for me. But there's something so special about Bill and Ted being just so one lovely but funny. Yeah. And just it's the interaction with the history without the consequences, which is so fun to me. Whereas any time travel movies like we can't talk to Socrates. Yeah, you can't do like, you can't do that. Cause... You'll change the future and whatever and and it's doesn't matter in this. Whatever time travel laws they have, which is yeah. kinda like Looper. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it just doesn't matter and that's great. I love it. Like and you can meet Beethoven and whatever. But then yeah, like so we're talking about like big swings, then they do Bogus Journey, which is a big swing this, this is what I love about this film because I love it when a film franchise will do a sequel that is nothing like the original one I'm, but yeah. but the characters still remain the same yeah, you just yeah. throw them in a hole they're a little bit. more as you say they're a little more grungy they're a little more kind of um, uh, edge there's a little more edge to them as they've grown yeah but they're bit. still lovable and they're still very yeah you know, no they are you know they're still goofballs and stuff but um but you know, but, like yeah, there's hardly the any only... time traveling. I think there's only time travel a bit at the beginning and a bit at the end. Yeah, there's a bit of the kind of um, is it bootstrap time travel? Yeah, so they're, they're they're going back, but you haven't seen it to change something. Yeah, that's to happening put in the like present. a like, bag yeah. above the head so it knocks them out and that kind. Of, you know, yeah. the guns available and whatever, all that kind of stuff, which they do. But it makes sense scene. because they don't have the ability to time travel. They were just given it by Rufus in the first film. It's not like he left them a phone box to time travel any time. Yeah, yeah, exactly, to. yeah. Um, so I, I like the fact they didn't just... Well, they didn't just basically what do every kind of... Because it was a quick sequel. It was only two years between them. They Most sequels would just kind of do the first film again. Well, yeah, don't forget, sequels though, were. It, it had been five years before since they had actually shot the first one, though, because of the whole delay oh. and stuff like that. So there was a big gap in terms of them playing that character. But in terms of them just writing it, so, I mean, to make a sequel, the studio pushing it out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, they, they, they get it out quickly. And because it's quick, um, Stephen Herrick doesn't return. They get uh, Peter Hewitt in. Um, and Peter Hewitt's the guy that you were thinking of because he directed The Borrowers. That's it, yeah, so... Um, yeah, he's underpants. Yeah, so I think he's Garfield, a, he's, the movie. He's a British filmmaker. And I think he'd only done a short is, yeah. film at that point, but I think it was yeah, yeah, he had. It, it was called the um, Candy Show, and it was actually won a BAFTA. But I think it was very production heavy, like, and I think that's what they mm. liked because you know they were going to go into hell and stuff like that, and they really wanted that yeah. stylized kind of hell with the forced perspectives and stuff like that, and they really wanted to kind of have someone who had the ability to pull that off. I think. Makes sense. Yeah, I think he does a great job of it. The stuff that's shot in hell is got such a vision to it, and such oh, a, it's ace. and a, and it's such a kind of exact look to it that it that's what it's why the film works is mm-hmm. that they cared. Um, what I hate about the sequel, and it annoys me every time I watch oh, okay. it, is the future clothes. Yeah, I hate the foam it, clothes. It's it like. The future in the first film is quite dark, but golden and blue. Yeah. Whereas this yeah. one's kind of very foamy and kind of yeah, every... it's pretty foamy and so bulky like beige. And weird. <laughs> and it looks like um, they're at the the Power Rangers command center or something like that when they're at. <laughs> yeah, or, or it's a bit Star Trekky, like the kind of. It's a little bit Star Trekky, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, it's I don't. There's not. It's weird. There's not much about the production of this film. I don't think it's like the first film where they kind of went out their way to kind of try and push for a film. You're getting for a quick 
you know, it's a quick release schedule. Well, There's, think, they're in the studio system at that point. Like, I think it's cra- like from the time they shot the film to when it was released, it was like four or five months, and I think. You know, it's it was from from the initial okay, we're making this till it's released. It was just like insane the speed they had to go at. Yeah, to make this I film. can imagine. And because of that, you get one of the um, most one of the kind of characters from the film is because of that kind of rush schedule and that station. Um, and that's because they cut a scene in the script that was meant to be it was int police station. And they cut it and left the word station on the page by accident. <laughs> and basically the writers just kept on yelling station to each other because they laughed that it was in the script. And it eventually started becoming high pitched in like a Martian voice. And at some point they just, they, they named a character station well, because I'm, of that. I'm pretty sure the ending of the film is totally different. So there was no good robots. The station, the characters weren't in it. And originally when they got back from hell, the you know, the, the colonel... And the Easter Bunny. Oh yeah. They all come yeah. out of hell and they start attacking uh, Bill and Ted oh. in the van and stuff like that. And so, but they're like more aggressive. And uh, Bill's grandmother, but they're like more aggressive versions of themselves. So they're kind of like, like a, a real evil bunny and like real evil granny yeah. and stuff like that. And that was wasn't a, there a Marvel comic? Yeah, which has got that, that adapted in. that script. Yeah. Right. Okay. So they shot. Have you all, got that? All this exists, but it apparently didn't test well. So they reshot the okay. ending. The whole of. The station stuff in heaven, I think, it was all new. Uh, oh wow! Um, the uh, making the robots, um, then the battle of the bands. It was the, so basically the last forty thirty minutes of the film was completely reshot within the space of a couple of weeks. Before, like wow! And you're talking like within a, a couple of weeks of the film opening. That's incredible, actually, because um, the the heaven stuff um, we haven't mentioned Bill Bill Sadler yet. Oh. Who nails the death roll so it hard? Just, it, I don't think it, like, it's a perfect addition for this yeah. for this franchise, which you never would have thought is a character you'd have ever needed in Bill and Ted. But he's <laughs> who comes on to make a Bill and Ted sequel and just mainly riffs on Ingar Bergman. It's like it's it's insane that they decided to do that, and it works so hard. Well, again, and it, it's I sent you a video of William Sadler yeah. in a sitcom from or a, like not a sitcom like a. Uh, was it a commercial? I don't know if it's a commercial or like a um, a sketch show, and he plays oh, death right. in, a, in a in a scene, and he does that voice. <laughs> so it was like he's waited for this role all his life <laughs> all to do this. Life. He's like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can finally do it. Now. This apartment number nine, S. Solomon's. Sure. Are you the plumber? No, I am death. <laughs> Well, I'm Sally. Come on in. Hey, you went to aerobics? No, I'm Death. I've come to take you. Okay. No, I mean I have come to take you away. Oh, sure. I'll pack some things. Don't I scare you? Aren't you afraid just a little bit? Are you kidding with that weirdo makeup? It is not makeup. I am naturally pale. I have been dead for a thousand centuries. Wait a minute. Can I fix you a drink? I have no thirst. Pickle sandwich? How dare you! I am the most awesome and terrifying figure in the mankind's experience. And you dare to offer me a pickle sandwich? Speaking of awesome, 
Did you see Jack Nicholas in the playgirl centerfold? He made the staple sit up! I am not interested in Jack Nicholson! Yet. That's your mistake. Hey, listen, think positive. Think positive. Don't be ridiculous. I am Jack. I have no words to explain how good he is. Like, and if you've seen it, you know how good he is. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking when you're saying they reshot the heaven stuff. I love the heaven stuff for the death character is what makes it for me. Every rose when he's, has um... a thorn. <laughs> yeah. Do I know you? No. <laughs> <laughs> and like, without that bit, because what happens in that heaven bit is that death goes from like a grumpy guy who's obviously a bit um, petty. To kind of getting on board yeah, just fully with on these board. guys they and like wanting to, to help them, like yeah, and I love it so much. And there's a little bit in heaven where uh, they're talking to Station, and Death isn't got any, got nothing to do, so like he wanders off and starts talking to Ben Franklin, and uh, when they're leaving, they kind of yell over to Death like, "Come on, Death!" And he and like Death kind of signals to Ben Franklin, kind of, I'm sorry, I gotta go. Like you don't hear him say anything. <laughs> it's total just acting work. It's total just the fact on set that he had nothing to do, so I'll just hang over here. It's not. It, yeah. it cannot be like written on the script that way. And it just absolutely works for this character. Just like Excellent Adventure, these funny little characters, like history characters, they become like fully formed by like being on screen in that way. And uh, I that there's no way Bogus Journey would have worked without um, yeah Bill Sadler. Yeah, he kind of he creates a duo into a trio, and it's just you know like yeah. So when you see the third one, you kind of you are missing him for a, for a good yeah. chunk of the movie, and then when he comes in, you're like, ah, oh, it feels right now. It feels right it now. feels right now. Thank God he's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so weird how like you know death becomes a character yeah. in this. <laughs> like... But I just love the way they did that. Like you know, going back to Star Trek, you know they they go to the area from the famous Star Trek scene, don't they? Mm-hmm. They do, yeah, yeah. And um, you know they chucked off the. I lo- I actually love. You can tell when it's a Shemp Bill and a Shemp Ted. <laughs> like the hair, That's a good term. <laughs> like the hair of each character just looks totally wrong. But, um, you should explain Shemp for anyone that doesn't know what that means. All right, is it the Three Stooges or is it the? Yeah, yeah. I think it's the Three. So Stooges. they had a brother called Shemp, I think. Yeah. Who was never like in the Three Stooges, but if ever they needed like an extra or a, a double, he would be the double, like from the back. Or yeah. Well, it's brother. not that he was never in the Three Stooges. He was always. He's in always the three in Stooges, it, but, but he, never he was never as a fourth brother. Yeah. He was playing one of the other brothers. And yeah. so fake Shemp then comes from. Sam Raimi, who then in Evil Dead, I think there was lots of issues with actors and stuff like that, with unions and rights yeah. and stuff, so he couldn't get certain people back. So he'd get his brother Ted, Ted Raimi to basically wear costumes and kind of double as yeah, actors and actresses, <laughs> and they called him the fake Shemp. So. Yeah, they called it like Shemping and the fake yeah. Shemp. Yeah, which is just wonderful, and it's like, I love how like people like use that term. Now. Yeah. We use it all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you fake shemped everyone in uh, Aim for the Dead. Yeah, that's my job. <laughs> and Aim for the Dead, I was mainly people cleaning my hands in toilets. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's not because of blood. That was just because of where we were filming. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was the else about the weird thing about? I don't like the 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 fact that I don't like George Carlin in it too much. I wish that he was a bit more present in it, but I can see why. Yeah, he I agree. Fit the, yeah. Um, it's 
it's one of those films that's it's definitely not as good as excellent adventure but it's such a wild swing that i love it and i've seen it so many times um I can quote it as much I, as maybe Excellent Adventure. I will agree that Excellent Adventure is a better film, but I prefer Bogus Journey. And I don't. Okay. I don't know if that's just because I saw it at the cinema. And yeah, so maybe. I, just like nostalgia for me is just rife with this film. But and also just the production design is so out there, and it just kind of swings. Like sometimes it, it misses, but it you know it just goes. But you know you've got Station, this giant, these two fucking bogey looking aliens that join together <laughs> to form this why why it's better that there's two state one I'm station just... to build the robots than having the two stations I'm wouldn't so it made, glad you said wouldn't that. it made more sense to have one station and then when they've got to build the yeah. robots it separates into the two so they split into two yeah <laughs> i think this every time i love that scene though when they're shopping for all the bits and like yeah he's yeah, yeah. going around he says i'll see you soon <laughs> because <laughs> there's a guy smoking in the uh, aisles there's a bit when they they they're the they're good i made the wigs yeah yeah i made the wigs <laughs> like and i did the shopping <laughs> like i pushed the cart <laughs> oh it's so damn good i also love bill and ted for introducing me to the word usses as a, as a thing and i love <laughs> yeah. the fact that they use the word usses in the third one all the time as well like it's just become a word like that you never have a need to say but because of ill and ted it's the thing it's like the good robot usses or the bad robot usses or the or, or us, usses from that time period i love it in these really films when it. they interact with themselves so in the first one they interact yeah. with themselves don't they you know, yeah, 16, yeah, yeah. Oh, and the way they K. write that in the first one is great and then in this one it's with the evil versions of them and it's so good and like, it is. It's wonderful. Like when they first come into the apartment at the beginning, and um, and then later on when they're kind of playing basketball with each other's heads and stuff like that in their bedrooms, yeah. it's <laughs> so good. And like how they decide how like at the end the evil ones just accept their fate like so easily. They look, even I tip know. their heads up to get punched in the head. They're like, ah, oh, well, you won. Yeah, like, <laughs> so odd. And like they kind of. Pam Greer rolls a bit. I always think it's a bit odd in that. I always forget I it's take... Pam Greer. Like it's so bizarre that it's Pam Greer. It's weird. It's a weird. It's a weird thing to think that Ruth to think that Rufus did. Like that's why I always I always think like could, he could have done something different. Also, but it doesn't matter. Also, it's, it's quite, always like I think about. It, it's weird that Missy now all of a sudden is like is channeling the like she's trying to speak to the dead and stuff like that. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. wait, what's going on? But it's so like. It's so the difference between an eighties film and a nineties film, even though it's that like two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It becomes that that bigger production design, that kind of more wackier, wilder music. You know, more like Nick, Nickelodeon element, MTV element to it. Like in, in the way the kind of the shows they produce are always a bit kind of grosser and a bit louder, weird colors and stuff. Yeah, and like and th- then the spiritualism stuff as well is so like nineties, like like the new agey kind of things and stuff that was coming out at that time. It all incorporates that really oddly. And it does, like we said earlier, you get the hair metal in the first thing, and then it's more prog, not prog, sorry, grunge. In yeah, the, in so the sequel. You've, it's... you've got Wing, oh, you've got Winger in this as well. You've got Steve yeah. Vai doing the Reaper, and Steve Vai is kind of like a, what do you call it? He's like a, what what kind of stuff does he? It's like a riffy kind of it prog rocky industrial I rock guess. kind of stuff, yeah, isn't it? And I can't then, explain Steve Vai if I'm honest. You know. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's the Reaper rap as well that Steve Vai does as well. 
And um, yeah, the what I didn't really realise until really recently, actually, was um, the song they play at the end of the film isn't God Gave Rock and Roll. God Gave Rock and Roll just plays over what they play. Oh, really? Yeah, and if you watch it again, you realise they're playing a completely different song and they're playing like the intro to it, but they don't sing when the lyrics uh, sing or point. anything like that. Okay. And they, they don't finish when the song finishes or anything like that. And it's absolutely that the song comes in to just come bring the credits on rather than that's meant to be what they're playing. And apparently what they're doing is they're playing a Steve Vai uh, guitar solo. So that makes sense, I think. Yeah, that makes that's makes sense of him involved in the film. Yeah. Anyway, so like word from you know to say like you know TV tropes type thing. Word from God is that um, God gave rock and roll to you was never meant to be the song they sing to unite the world, and they didn't really like the end credits too much because they didn't like all the kind of newspapers. Yeah, that was like, like a studio thing. Put those on, I think, didn't they? Because they try and basically get back to the whole plot that they're meant to save the world. And they kind of jam it into the, the credits to try and pretend that the song they played at the end right, of this okay. saved the world. But it doesn't really work. And they kind of smartly ignore it a little bit for the third film. That's the only thing they do kind of ignore is a lot of the papers. What I do like, though, at the end of the film is though they they, they travel in time to learn music, don't they? Yeah, and they do. Yeah, and by the time you get to the third one, while they they what they what you see them performing at the wedding is odd. You can yeah. tell that they're actually talented musicians now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I love how it basically takes them like two films to learn how to play music. Yeah, but they are talented, and actually, if you listen to the soundtrack, it's actually not that bad. Okay, I actually quite like it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, what do you think of the look of them when they come out when they, you know, like Phil's all ZZ Top and um, I have to say I always thought they looked really cool. And Ted's got the little goatee <laughs> and they've got the babies and stuff like that. I love um, Keanu Reeves looking this one anyway. Like it's less, little less of the mushroom hair yeah. a little more like long fringe. Well, Bill um, definitely hasn't got the little crop top. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> Which no. I always thought was weird in the first one. But, um, <laughs> Works. But I, when I was younger, I, my sister had like a box of fabric, and um, I tried to make myself an orange hoodie with a red overcoat to make the Ted <laughs> with the smiley face on the back, and I, I, I drew round myself on the floor on cardboard and then drew round it. On, sure. And with my seven, eight year old, this is a true story. I tried to sew my own Ted jacket, and I remember putting it on. And it was so tight, it was ridiculous. <laughs> oh, oh! I want to get you a Ted jacket now. I'm sure. I had the, I had some of the comic books that kind of followed on from Bogus Journey, and you know, oh, yeah. you know, Ted's he's Ted, like I said, Ted's got a smiley face on his back of his jacket. It, mm. it emotes in the comic books. Whenever you see his back, it kind of whatever's happening on screen, it kind of the face changes. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea. That's good. What we're doing. So, yeah, Bogus Journey comes out. It doesn't really make as much money as well, it, um, it Excellent make, Venture. It makes $2 million less, but the budget was like $20 million. So, so it's more you know. than double. Yeah. So, it's not incredibly successful. It, but it 
that's unfair to it because it, it became incredibly successful post it, really. I mean, it um, made its mark on me. <laughs> yeah, it made its mark on, on definitely our generation yeah. of people who wanted to see it. Like The reviews at the time were a little sniffy about it. It was just a film that didn't totally hit at the time, I think, yeah. compared to like other people and things. Which um, meant that basically the idea of doing a third one kind of just went away from... It went away, but it didn't ever really go away. Yeah, isn't nostalgia a powerful thing? <laughs> yeah, isn't it just? So I think like there were they've always said there was no immediate plans for a sequel, um, and then it wasn't really until two thousand and five where there started being chatter about it again. Well, I remember getting I a, was... I got a DVD box set, and it was like the fifteenth anniversary box set or something. I don't know if you got it, and it was like kind of looks a bit like a phone box and stuff. Oh, and there's some like interviews in there, and they de- they you know they say we're like we're at the early stages of you know tinkering with ideas for a for a third one. So it's definitely been a long gestating project, that's for sure. Yeah, and um and the director uh, Dean Parasot, who ends up directing it, he was attached um long time ago from like yeah like yeah 2010 ish or something like that I think I think um. You have to so have a director always... on board, though, really, especially one that's kind of you know he, he did like Galaxy's Galaxy Quest, Galaxy Red Quest, Two, yeah, fun with Dick and Jane. So like, yeah, you've got someone who can handle a film and and handle a film with budget, I guess. Yeah, and stars. Yeah, and stars. Like, yeah, yeah. So he was a good choice, actually. Um, I think, I think the writers were very concerned about doing a another film that would just be kind of for the money or just for nostalgia. I yeah. think they wanted to get something right out of it. Um so they weren't really rushing a script out. And I think was it was it John Wick that kind of got them the power to do this? Probably you know because this? it I guess so, because it became like a number one film, like you know, the second and third film like I guess was like box office gold and for the budget they yeah. probably cost they realized they can make a film for x amount of money with Keanu Reeves and it'd probably sell I guess I don't know is that right I think so I think and also what they were doing is um while doing press for John Wick Keanu was talking about Bill and Ted as well well so I guess it started I, kind of I guess a lot of the people who probably are talking to him the press they're probably people our age and they probably want yeah. to get their yeah, Bill and yeah. Ted question in and it, they know it's That's like a buzzworthy true. thing so if they put it on like you know their headline on a website or whatever people are going to click on it because it says Bill and Ted and it's it's now around the time where it's nostalgia's kicking and people are going oh yeah Bill and Ted I loved that film when I was a kid yeah yeah you know what I mean um, eventually it gets its way to Steven Sonnenberg who, who takes on executive producer I think that's powers. nuts no, I think, I think it, it's a nuts too and that's the point where it kind of goes, right, this is happening, really. Well, if I remember, they did um, that like press thing about two years ago. And I think it was to kind of gauge the reaction of the media. And there was pictures sure. of, of um, Keanu and Alex like in a phone booth. And they were kind of like talking yeah. about being in the film. And I think it was around that time that it just went super viral. And I think it ne- like, so I don't think they had the funding at that point. And I think sure. after doing this, it cemented it that people really wanted this film. Yeah, there was an audience yeah, for yeah, it, yeah. and so they were like, "Okay, we can actually make this film now." And I think that by that point, um, we it was, it was very clever as well. 
Yeah, yeah, they definitely did it in a really smart way to get kind of through Hollywood, you know, like on their own terms as well, um, not just on the terms of whatever company put the money up. Um, they always they always said they didn't want to cast George Carlin again, recast Rufus, so they they um they uh bring in Kirsten Shaw. Well, one to of play, my like the Rufus role. One of my big gripes with the film, and it's not it's not fair to to be annoyed about this. But when they were like touting this film and they were promoting before it came, before they got the funding and stuff, and they were like, people were saying, How are you going to deal with Rufus not being in the film? They go, Well, we've got this scene where it's going to be the quick mark from the first film. We're going to use old footage from the film. We're going to have the actors from, you know, the modern day Keanu and Alex uh, meeting them. We're going to have CGI Carlin. And we're going to retie it in all together. And I was really looking forward to that scene in the film. Yeah. And when it didn't happen in the film, I was a bit like, oh. But I understand that I mem- it would have cost a fortune to do that. Yeah, and- I met it's a reading up today. Basically, they they absolutely wanted to do that, and it was absolute budget. And I think they couldn't. the 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 crux of the scene was there's a quote in the stopwatch that they have, and I think it's oh, a, okay. I think it's a George Carlin quote. And I think that's what his character was going to kind of say in that scene. And so that's what the whole stopwatch is about with the clock on it. Uh, I see. And that's kind of how they um, got around it, the cheaper way. Of I love it. the stopwatch element of this yeah, film. Yeah. Um, I also love it in Excellent Adventure. I like the idea that you've got a time travel movie with a time limit yeah. is um, is really smart. It's it's can't Don't think about it too hard. That's most Bill and Ted. But it's really smart that it gives a kind of um, it gives a ticking clock to a time travel thing. Where really the problem with most time travel films is that there's no ticking clock. It's, you know, you can always just jump at another point. Yeah, doesn't matter. I wonder if it's but, in um, real time when it's. Yeah, 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 I like it. It really works for me. Um, that's kind of most of the production stuff really that I know of. Yeah. Um, more than anything else, they obviously went out of their way to bring in a lot of the original actors they could. Yeah, they got um, Missy yeah, back. Ted's dad, Missy got back. Yeah, like. Um, I wonder why Bill's Deacon dad was, was he? Has he passed or? I don't know that actually. I no, was I wondering how it. they were going to tackle the Missy situation because I thought because in the end credits of the of the second film, obviously, which is not counted as canon, it says that Missy marries. Delominus, what's his name? (laughs) Which we never talked about, but he's the villain in the second film. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that in Bogus Gene. There is actually a villain that barely interacts with Bill and Ted. Yeah, yeah, until the very end. Until the very end. Yeah, Nazi gym teacher. Yeah, I believe is his character. But um, yeah, Um, so he's played by what's his face as well. Quite a. Oh, it's uh, what's his name? Joss Ackland. Ackland, that's his name. Yeah, uh, yeah English actor who um, got a BAFTA for his role in White Mischief. <laughs> but I think his his disdain of the characters in Bogus Journey was pretty much met with his disdain for Alex Winston, Keanu Reeves, and that film in general. Like I think okay. the way he was acting in that film is just how he was on the set. Of that just film. how he felt yeah, generally. Like, Why am I doing this? Do I need the money that much that I'm doing this film? Apparently so. Apparently so. Yeah, and he, yeah, the the joke about Missy that always makes me laugh in the first two films as well is the fact that she's had a relationship with every single person in the film. Yeah, like, well, she um Ted and Bill gym... tried to ask her out. <laughs> yeah, when she comes in to watch the history presentation and she says hi to the history teacher. Oh, you know, there's like, something happened there. <laughs> there's something happened there at the beginning of Bogus Journey where they're having the weird 
engagement party? No, no, it's a birthday party for the princesses. Uh, happy hundred. What is it? Happy five hundred and twenty second birthday or something. Yeah, no one's questioning um, that at this point. <laughs> it's questioning. That. Um, and the for some reason, which I think is really weird, but for some reason, the general from the Alaska military school has come to this birthday party. I know. Just to kind of, you know, attack Bill and Ted, who, as far as I know, are not in school anymore. So yeah. I'm not totally sure why they're, they're, he's still threatening to go to military school. But whatever. But yeah, um, Missy says hi to him in a way like like they used yeah, to date yeah. as well. So there's always a joke that Missy seems to have dated every single person. Well, there's a scene earlier films. on in the first film where I think in Ted in Bill's bedroom and she's like asking who their history teacher is and she goes oh tell him hi tell him hi yeah yeah which makes me laugh because um, my history teacher at school got with one of the A-level students and they had a child together that's awful I know this is what happens <laughs> in like, awful apparently it was it was just frowned upon in the early 2000s <laughs> Ugh. But no, the sad thing no. was the sad thing was he was a really good teacher and I really liked him and then that happened I was like uh, you know, in like, you're not a hero, but you know, in like, like you just you're just disappointed. Just straight away, I was Is like, that... what the f- what the fuck? Anyway, Bill and Ted. That's not on. No, of that's course not, it's not. I don't like that at all. No, I don't. I, I barely like the fact that it jokes about it in Bill and Ted, but now like it actually is a thing. Apparently, they're still together, but... so I don't. Yeah, but it's still abusive. Oh yes, I'm right? not. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. <laughs> I wasn't saying that. Moving on. <laughs> 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 um so they yeah where, where were we um where were we uh, i guess bill and ted face the music that's where we are oh yeah so i just that's wanted to talk about still talk about this scene because it still bugs me that it's not in the film and i get it because of okay. budget but um did you see the walmart advert where it's kind of like mm, all these famous no. people and characters are shopping at walmart and they have no. they have bill from face the music they have the phone box okay. drop and Bill gets out and a young Bill gets out and it's like a digitally de-aged Bill and it okay. looks amazing like so good and I was like I can't wait I was so excited I was like I can't wait for this scene and I was just watching the whole movie waiting for it I was like where is it where is it, where is it? And, um, I didn't know about that and so. in the credits there is credited young Bill and young Ted but they're never in the right. film so so maybe there is something that existed and just like got yeah. cut out or what I don't know. It makes sense. It does absolutely make sense. Yeah. Is um in the whole. But film, I did but like how they utilised Rufus. How he got like a little bit in it. I thought it worked. Yeah, well. I like that too. And as you say, he looms over the film. It's all about oh, Rufus's yeah, yeah, yeah. Ob- ob- idea that he's obsessed with this legacy that no one else really believes. Which I think that's really that really works for the plot. Yeah, definitely. Um, and to cut to the end the scene where like um kirsten shaw's mom so rufus's wife actually says to like um kelly that oh your dad would have been proud of you i was like oh like so I th- that really works for me like i think kelly is the name of george carlin's real daughter i think that's right so i yeah. think that's Kellen kind Carlin, of where yeah. the uh, yeah um so what do you think of like the new characters in it so you what's the name of the robot is it dennis Dennis, is it? Um, He's got a surname. Dennis Caleb McCoy. <laughs> Why does the robot Which, have a name? <laughs> this I was going to talk to about this. We should go through the plot bit, beat by beat, okay, to make sure we don't forget. Right, things. But like, at Dennis Caleb, 
when he introduces himself to Kelly, Kelly, Kelly Rufus. <laughs> I just realised Rufus hasn't got a surname. I was going to call yeah. her Kelly Carlin. Um, she goes, oh, fucking my ex-boyfriend's called that. Like, of course, mom would name him after my ex-boyfriend. Is there a suggestion it is her ex-boyfriend who's been, like, turned into, like, death machine? Maybe. Possibly. I really think it's in the plot. I, really yeah, I need to rewatch that. I never really thought about that. Maybe. Because he's, he's got... Dennis he's, Caleb's... Go for it, I was going to say, his bottom jaw is human. He's kind of... He's yeah. got human uh, emotions because he feels regret. <laughs> yeah. He's like a de- killer and it's like his programming snaps and he and he's slowly remembering things about himself. Yes, that's quite dark. And that's when he starts... Yeah, no, yeah. And he starts going, oh, wait, I've got a name. And the name and says a name. I think you're like right. That. I think you're right. This is loads of just he's, he's like some weird... He's such an odd design. Like she design. took her ex. Yeah, he is such I an mean, odd design. Such a, a specific design. It must be a reason why he's got a human face. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, if they wanted to, they could have hidden the human face like, pro- properly. I think he looks pretty shit and janky, but I also think that's probably start of the design purposefully so yeah, as well. Yeah, I think so too. But I, I, that's why they, it's explicitly not said. But I feel like it's all through all the dialogue and him as a character. It's all there that he's actually a human that like got his brain wiped or something. <laughs> oh, God, to be a that's robot, really so, great. <laughs> but I actually what's, liked what's his character. I love it. Really cracks me up. The bit when they first get to hell and he pops his head in, and um and says I can't remember what he says now, but he pops his head when they're looking around and he says something as well, and they're both kind of annoyed with him. Really cracks it's, me up. It's when he, first happened. he gives his apology in the police car. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really cracks me up. I, I, so the film starts and you kind of in 2020, so it is taking place at this point. Well, the film starts actually with a, a bit of a narrative, doesn't it? It's their daughters are saying this is the last time you saw our our pair, our dads. Uh, they were rocking out, and since then this has happened, and not a lot has happened. Basically, yeah. they became a big rock band. Uh, they got a number one song, and then they couldn't really follow it up. Is kind of what you get from yeah. it. There is a really cool bit of artwork which I thought you might like. It's the Wild Stallions logo with the the horses coming out. Oh yeah, yeah. And you got start. You got the stylized band below it, and uh, Station is in the band there. So it's the only reference to Station sh- that I saw. It's a shame he Station wasn't in the film. They they have one little reference to Station later on. Yeah, Kid Cudi. Yeah, but, but he, which I liked. But it's a shame he Station as a character wasn't in it briefly. But is he dead? Mate, could be maybe because he. He's meant to be dead, isn't he? So yeah, because he, he was in to... yeah, because he was in he was in heaven. heaven. That's that's so... the thing and everything I understood about it. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so they they explain that they had this big hit and they thought they're going to write a song to save the world and they never did and then the world kept on going on but the world started to kind of fracture, uh, and then you cut to Bill and Ted at this wedding where you find out that it ends up being Missy marrying uh, uh, Deacon which is Ted's brother uh, and Bill and Ted are like going to play a song for the wedding basically which they think possibly could be the film the song that unites the world I yeah guess. did you yeah they're still obsessed with writing this mystical song I was I was kind of wondering if Missy was going to be married to death or something but um, I guess <laughs> they kept it in the family they kept it in the family yeah why is the uh, dad even at the wedding surely <laughs> 
<laughs> I, just, I love this world where no one really, no one has emotions, but yeah. like not that heavily. Yeah. <laughs> and like Deacon and his dad work together. So, so. Oh yeah, they do, don't they? Because he's a cop. Deacon's a cop, isn't he? Yeah. Um. And I'm trying to think what happens. So yeah, they they play some music. They're kind of shitty. They go back home and then they have is it therapy first before they go back home yeah the therapy se- i really like that wives. scene no they go home yeah, yeah they go they go to the therapy session yeah and uh this is when they keep saying we love you <laughs> yeah love you. which is um an absolute play on the fact that in bogus journey there's all this suggestion of like polyamory yeah, yeah, yeah. As well. will you marry us <laughs> like that yeah yeah <laughs> Do you think the princesses are going to be happy to move in with us when <laughs> when they get married? <laughs> and the, yeah, they still keep it on for this that they can't separate themselves as like away from their own couple. Um, the only thing I don't really like about this film is that they don't give the princesses enough to do. Um, I would have liked to have seen a bit more of their journey. Yeah, it's, it's different actors in each film, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. but they're um. The the people they get to play the princesses in this are both American actors who have both been in quite a lot of stuff. Yeah, I've definitely uh, seen them in stuff before, especially Erin Bill's Hayes wife. and Jamila. Yeah, Jamila Mays, I think her name is. Yeah. Um, uh, both really funny actresses, both in a lot of stuff. I think Children's Hospital. I know Erin Hayes from, and right. uh, I think. Um, oh, the comedy you know, show. Uh, Children's Hospital. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Jamila Mays is in loads of like comedy films and stuff like that, um, but. They just they they're American actresses. They get them to do English accents, which fine, but it works. It's fine. But I just would have would have liked to see more of their adventure because they have a whole off-screen adventure going through different realities. Yeah, I mean, um, maybe if the film was like fifteen twenty minutes longer, they probably could have put a bit yeah, more of that. Yeah, which it doesn't need to be either. Though yeah. it is a nice length to it. I mean, but it's I still would have probably preferred more Bill and Ted in this film, if I'm perfectly honest. But sure, but, um, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, so they have therapy. The princesses are upset with them because they haven't done anything with their lives. Um, they go back home, and at this point, you get the proper like um, spit where they are basically about to quit on their kind of life goal. Yeah. Uh, at that point, Kelly from the future arrives. You know, the call to call to the question. I like how the, ty- the the phone boxes. I don't know if they chose the phone box in the first film because it would have been it wouldn't have seen them out of place in the eighties when yeah. he goes back in time. So I yeah, totally. so I assume that's why it was a phone box. And yeah, so what they normally been. travel in is weird egg things or something. Yeah, but in the first film it's like that weird crystal orange thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it looks like. So I've always thought like it does look nice. I like the weird egg thing. It looks very comfortable to travel it in. It does, doesn't it? And, and it apparently it's, the got, phone box. it's got a whole sound system in there as well. Yeah, apparently it's like a TARDIS. Yeah. It really is like a TARDIS now. Like, um, Kelly gives them the kind of ultimatum that the great leader, uh, who is her mom, who is played by Holland Taylor, I believe. Yeah. I think. Yeah, who's in a ton of stuff. Like... Um, they what do I know from Two and a Half Men she plays uh, the mom in Two and a Half Men I've never like... I've never once watched that show <laughs> and you couldn't pay me to watch it you do get the Rufus what... cameo though when they kind of yeah like they go to the future and it... they have the Rufus cameo what yeah. do you think of the look of the future by the way 
I liked it. I liked it. It fit into the first film for me. It's very Apple, isn't it? Like, and I, yeah, I imagine true. for a, a lower budget film, if you've got to generate a completely CGI environment, it's going to be a lot easier to do that kind of very stark, clear white kind of. Sure. Do you know what I mean? That kind of texture, as opposed to like, you know, multiple buildings that are all built that look different and stuff like that. It's kind of if it looks all quite generic and kind of clean, and it's probably easier to kind of. A bit easy to get to create. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Makes cheaper. Yeah, because the budget for this was only like twenty-five million, which in which today's money, a lot of money, is nothing but for nothing. a film like with no. with one of the biggest actors in the world in it, and you know, yeah, yeah, know. yeah. And I must, I guess, he took a pay cut for this to actually be able to do yeah, it. I'm sure he did. Um. So yeah, they get told that they have to write the song that's going to save the world by seven seventeen p.m. Yeah, which and is... they have to play it. At, I can't remember where they the it, weird location. It's like MP forty six, I think. Yeah, it? something like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they they get given all these instruments and stuff like that, and instead Ted comes up with the wonderful plan to just go into the future and rob the song from themselves <laughs> when they've written it. Uh, so that kind of becomes their their kind of adventure for most of the film at this point. Is their keep jumping ahead in time to to try and get to a point when they've written the song and then they can take the song back to you know the present and then play it um at that point i think the great leader just sends the time traveling robot dennis after them to kill them yeah. <laughs> instead because she doesn't believe she thinks the prophecy that george carlin was obsessed with in the first film actually might be the death of bill and ted right. not they write a whole song don't know how that works but fine is it at this point um, we find out the world's kind of the history's kind of folding in on folding itself? Again. Yeah. So people in one timeline now end up in another timeline and things like yeah. that. And all like realities are merging together and yeah. destroying each other and stuff. Yeah. Um, Bill and Ted go off to the future, and Kelly goes back in time to try and find them. Instead, she meets their daughters, uh, Billy and Thea. And Billy and Thea, who decide, who at this point have already decided they're going to help their songs make, sorry, help their fathers make the song. Um, instead, ask Kelly if they can just borrow her time machine, and they're going to go through time themselves and make a band. Well, they basically, in my, like, they kind of both relive the the first two movies, don't they? So they kind of basically do. Yeah. They basically do excellent adventure, and then they do bogus journey. What did you think about the band they put together? What with Louis Armstrong and uh, Jimi Hendrix, uh, who else was and it? Mozart, Mozart, and then that drum, yeah. like the, the drummer. Um, yeah, there's Ling Lung, who is no, the, mythical the... inventor of Chinese music. Yeah, and then just a drummer from Cave yeah. Time. Apparently, <laughs> Genghis Khan is around there. Apparently, or referenced in there. Apparently. Oh, is it? I thought it was much earlier than Genghis Khan. Well, I mean, I could um, be wrong, but um, I, I read that somewhere. But um, I thought it was okay. I thought they could have probably got more. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of wanted a few more time travel stuff. Yeah. I did. I wanted a few more interactions. Um, but I loved it. I absolutely love Louis Armstrong. I think Louis Armstrong is wonderful. You know, it? like I think I love... Elvis would have been too too on the nose, but like you could have yeah. got your buddy Holly or something like that. Or do you know what I mean? Just some i i think i would have liked to see someone from their time period so so someone from now you mean 
No, no, no. Someone from the eighties. Oh, so someone okay. from Bill and Ted's time period. So David I don't Lee know, Roth. That, this is when oh. you put Eddie Van Halen in it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, something, something like, like that, or you know, someone from Metallica, or you know, someone like that. I guess. Sure. That's. I think that's or, where it would have fitted into the film. I mean, you know, if you get the rights of Kurt Cobain or something like that, maybe I don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But that's difficult, you know, wish list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the person who plays Grom, by the way, the uh, cavewoman drummer. Yeah. She's the drummer for like Beyonce, in, uh, in real life. Okay, okay. So she's a really talented musician in her own right. Can I? Obviously, from present day, we got Kid Cudi. Yeah. And I just have a feeling that was just. Current, current day musician whoever we can get because i'm like <laughs> we can get, no offense yeah. to this guy i've never heard of him in my life and i have heard of him but i have heard of him but i really liked him in this film he only had like two uh, and, lines sure but he had a really good like um a really good feel to him he was really relaxed i loved his i really don't i don't normally like these kind of cameos when it's a real person playing someone who's not himself yeah though playing himself but I liked his kind of relaxed like physics to it. Um, his over-explaining stuff. I liked how he was just on board with it. I just it it worked for me actually in a in a role that normally doesn't work for me. I like his little station thing and stuff. So did you think Louis Armstrong could... was like the um the the um uh what the fuck Billy, Billy, the, Billy kid. the kid? Yeah, kind of. He just gets yeah. on board with it straight away. I love it. I love I love how he just giggles at the end of his lines all the time. I thought he was really good um, actually. That actor. I really liked him. He, I, when this film for me was a little shaky up until basically Louis Armstrong really got me on board with it. Like it, like and he kind of his comfortableness with the plot almost got me comfortable with the plot. I think right. Um, and I love the bit when he he meets uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix and he just plays some uh, trumpet in the hall, kind of settling in, going, "Oh wow, I'm actually watching a Bill and Ted film in mm-hmm. 2020." So it's a kind of a bit, kind of like. You're still trying to kind of find your feet a bit, I guess. So I yeah. don't know. I know How you, do I feel about I this? I know yeah. you've watched a bit of it again. Did it feel a bit... Did the beginning bit... I've watched it almost three times now, actually. <laughs> did the beginning bit settle in for you a bit more on... A little more. Time? It still doesn't totally work for me. Uh, it's the wedding scene more than anything else. It doesn't work for right. me. There's a lot of like... There's a lot of like ramping up. You know, the gears have to keep pulled. They have to get to the future. They have to introduce the plot. They have to kind of then go into the future themselves and then the time travel has to go back so that the girls can go and get and go through time there's a there's a lot of gears and the therapy actually there's a lot of gears twisting until you get to it kind of flowing do you think so i think do you think you're meant to believe that the band are now like a wedding tribute act like a wedding band and that's what kind of what they do now or do you think they were just doing that as a present their wedding gift yeah that's a really good question so um no, I think you are meant to believe them more like a wedding band because when they're in the future, the great leader tells them that they played like a taco night, didn't they? Yeah, because like... And she's like, whatever a taco is. You know, I've got friends in bands who like 10 years ago, they're like, I'd never do a tribute band. I'd never play <laughs> wedding bands. And then 10 years later, they love playing in wedding bands and they love doing tribute yeah, bands yeah, because yeah. they actually make money doing what they like to do. <laughs> what I kind of like about Bill and Ted in this is that the fact they haven't become the people they were told they were going to become. Yeah. Which is what's causing them the kind of frustration. But I think they're still loving it. They love playing music. They love being musicians. They love rocking. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's still in them, I think, at this point. And I think 
you get that sense from the film. It might be more and fun I, if you saw them like with guitars a bit more because you only see them at the end, really, like sure. rocking out a bit. But um... I think, like, um, I guess you wanted to see a bit more inter- interaction with them in different things because yeah. they have quite a depressing journey. <laughs> yeah, well, I think is the problem. Until they get to hell, their, their journey is a little bit depressing, and I, I, I want to don't want to see that for Bill and Ted. Right. So yeah, they go into the future. But they meet still the future funny, themselves. Like, yeah, it's still funny. Um, they meet themselves in multiple time periods, don't they? Uh, as their their lives are kind of collapsing, their girlfriends have left them, the princesses or wives have left them, um, and they never wrote the song, and they're just getting more depressed well, so, and angry and alcoholic. So the girls are, are meeting. They've been met by future versions of themselves, and they're looking for mm-hmm. like their ideal timeline where they're happy with Bill and Ted. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, they're but, looking for a reality where they're actually happy. But they can't find one. This, yeah, to see if this is actually possible. Yeah. Is what and then, um, what did you think of the two actors who played the daughters, by the way? I thought they're great. Absolutely great. Um, the uh, uh, Samara Weaving, you know, you'll know as um, Hugo Weaving's daughter. No, it's plays, niece, um, I think. Was it niece? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so she plays Thea. So um, that's Bill's daughter. And uh, Bridget Lundy Payne plays Billy, which is Ted's daughter. And I really thought Bridget Lundy Payne gets the Ted I th- down. For me, she was just... If she dialed it back, just... Just a touch, Just a right? touch. Because yeah, sure. I thought she was... She did a really good impression, don't get me wrong. I thought she got, yeah. she got the mannerisms right, but I thought it was just that little bit too, like, Uncanny Valley, where it just felt a bit too <laughs> much. If you just... Because she was just too much like Ted. If she kind of a bit had her own thing going on, a little bit more, sure. Yeah, I think it's the same. Like, but like, yeah. So they go through time. They're picking up people. They end up getting killed by the robot, um, and they end up in hell. And Bill and Ted, after going to the future and meeting themselves, get the song. So they go all the way to the really far future to see themselves dying, and they have a really sweet scene where they're talking to themselves. And they end up getting the song from them. I love how you got this route going through the film that Billy's really comfortable with his future self and likes talking to his, his yeah, different yeah. selves. And Ted doesn't at all. Like Ted's always really standoffish. And uh, that's like when he's like Keanu nails it when they're dying. He's not dying, but when they're really old and in bed. And uh, they both apologise to each other for netting, never letting themselves get to know themselves. That bit got me, f- that bit in that film. It to- got me so hard. Like, it got me so hard. Like, And it was like, God, that's absolute mood for like 2020 yeah. for me, I swear. What do like, you think of like the the muscle? So, so like you said, you, oh, you yeah. get various versions of themselves. There's the one where they're at the taco night, I think. And that's kind of... Where Bill Ted's a bit of a dickhead to Ted, and yeah, like, what did you think of like that version? Who then? That was. I really liked that bit of the bar yeah. when they're just playing their song to no one, and they're just a bit of they're sleeping in their vans and they're just angry. I really, yeah, I like that. And a then, lot. then you've got the second sequence after that, which is um, a few a few years later, and they're in a mansion, and you believe it's their house. Oh, yeah. They're in Dave Grohl's house. What yeah. do you think of that of Dave, Dave Grohl being the one who wrote the song that they're kind of stealing? I thought it was really funny, actually. That, that, that was a perfect rock cameo, actually. That has one of my favourite scenes in it. So 
they Bill and Ted say, oh, let's do that thing that worked that one time. Uh, and yes. I was thinking, oh, yes. are they going to do the time game? But they haven't got a time machine, but I'm sure they'll configure... Well, they have got a time machine. They've got the... They've got a time machine, yeah. yeah. So they ask thinking, oh, they're going to be in a time game. But then, no, you see them with buckets on their head and they just <laughs> fall out the window and you think, that's amazing. They just put buckets on their heads. So they don't know where they're going or what they're doing. And then that's how they get <laughs> they, out of the They situation. can't make any decisions. And I thought so, that yeah, was fantastic. Can't... I thought that was so... I good. really laughed at that, yeah. I really laughed at that. I thought it was really funny. So that, and I, and sorry, carry the on. way they introduced it, I thought that it was saying in another film, and it's not, which cracked me up. I did. I love the interaction, like when they found out that um, the other Bill and Ted are not nice Bill and Ted; they're yeah. kind of assholes again. <laughs> I thought it was so good. And um, yeah, and then Ted's dad gets killed by the robot as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He blows up his dad and the the whole police squad. Um, and then they go further to the future, and at that point, Bill and Ted are in jail because they were in Dave Grohl's house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which seems like a pretty strict punishment. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're like all roided up. and uh... They're all roided up, yeah, and they've got their own song. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't work out what the song bit... was, to be honest, but I don't know if it's one off the soundtrack because I know you've got Lamb of God in this, but I don't know if that's in hell. Oh, maybe it was. I didn't even think And then that. you've got Mastodon as well. Yeah, yeah. They're the yeah. two heaviest tracks on the album, for sure. Um, but yeah, and then I think then after the Hell one is when not the Hell when after the the muscle bound versions that's when they meet the their old, the old selves, which I yeah. like we said I just adored that scene. I thought it was so nice. Did you actually watch the end credits though? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. When yeah, they're yeah, yeah. rocking out, the old versions rocking. Yeah, yeah. I really like it. Was that. Good. The makeup um, looked fantastic, I thought. I th- it did? I think that's yeah, some yeah. of the best old makeup I've ever seen in a film. I thought it was so good. Like, it's it didn't require CGI. Compared to, like, A Beautiful Mind and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. No, no I agree. No, and no, as I say, like, that Ted line really worked for me. I thought it was a really, really smart little line. Um, at that point, they realised that everyone's been killed, so they get... They kill themselves, themselves to go to hell, don't they? Yeah, because Dennis is going to blow himself up, and they jump him to go to hell. Because yeah. he's like, "Oh, I did something daughters. wrong. I did something." <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> By the way, do you know Anthony Carrigan is the guy who plays Dennis? Who's Anthony McCoy. Carrigan? Um, have you seen? Um, uh, have you seen uh, Barry? Yes. Yeah. 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 With um, he, the funds. He... And yeah, 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 yeah. He plays Noho Hankford, uh, the bald guy in that. Okay, okay, okay. Um, you really recognise him from me. He's also in Gotham, apparently. But I'm never going to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, maybe you mentioned Batman. Go with. And uh, so, yeah, they go to hell. And this is where it, the Bill and Ted story for me really worked. Oh, okay. Well, it's because um, death comes so into it. Like, it. Yeah, but it's also from that like scene when they're old and then into hell. Then I was like, oh god, I've, Bill and Ted have just hit their like. It just took them a while to get back to them being Bill and Ted, and right. I didn't. I don't mean that badly. Yeah, I mean like the, uh, in, in story progression. Yeah, 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 I got you. I got you. And so they get to hell, and I love the scenes in hell. I love the demons they ask directions from. <laughs> they, uh, and I love that the dad at this point loves them. He's like, you were right. I should have been supporting no, you the entire time. No, he's still a dickhead to Bill, like, though. He's like, I oh, wasn't yeah, yeah, talking yeah, to you, Bill. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's like, oh, yeah, sure. Sorry. <laughs> um, they then go see Dead, uh, Death, who is... Um, he's angry with he's them. Still, 
Yeah, he's angry with them, isn't he? Still, he's playing hopscotch on his own. And he's cheating. <laughs> he's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he's angry with them because, like, he says that fame got to his head, doesn't he? Later on, yeah. and he just got jealous and stuff. And uh, I really like this scene because he's really petty to Bill and Ted and won't listen to them. And then his daughters come in, and his daughters just like. Um, well, obviously they but, grew up with him, up. so that like, yeah, yeah so totally like they, Uncle Death, yeah, exactly Uncle Death. <laughs> And they butter him up, telling him about all his great bass music and different albums and stuff. And he's getting really, he's really cute when he's like holding his gown and going, what about like the, the bass solo in, is it <laughs> yeah. something with Do- Dr. D or something? What's the term? Or they're like, like massaging his, they're like massaging his ego or whatever. They're kind yeah, of- yeah, absolutely. And it's working for him because Def, Def's a little kind of petty man and he just, he just needs to kind of know how to talk to him. And uh, all he really wants to be is with his friends. Yeah. And I really liked it. Like, he just wants to hang out with his friends and he misses his friends, but he's too proud to be, like, the better person in this. Um, and, yeah, so, yeah, they convince Def that they need to help him. They also say that he's been demoted as well because he let two guys out of hell. <laughs> yeah. do, don't we get some air guitar there as well? <laughs> yeah, you do, yeah, yeah. It's a f- isn't it the first air guitar? No, no it's there's, not. There's, there's an air guitar when they get into the phone booth. Yeah, yeah. There's, a few, there's a few died around. Um, but I love that bit when he gets into the van and he's like, let's rock. And he whacks his like staff on the ground and the van just shoots yeah. up into the air. I just was like, I was so, by this point, I was so on board with the film. I was so just happy with everything that was happening. And then that's when they were like, the fi- it's the final kind of set piece then. Uh, they end up just on the interstate and they realize MP46 is the mile marker yeah, yeah. on the interstate. Um, I love the question that Ted's like, so Bill's like, how can it happen here? How can it just happen here? And Ted's like, well, because it did happen here. And Bill's like, yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> Which is classic Bill and Ted, like logic and, and conversation. And then this is where and you, re- you obviously, you watch the trailer. You're like, I don't know how this ends. And it does end the way <laughs> yeah, you thought. It did it. that annoying thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I watched the trailer and just went, oh, so Preston Logan's their daughters. They're going to write the song then. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's they the don't really film, write it. They just, they are kind of all it's i don't know it's weird we i think the way they do it is really smart and actually manages to tick every box yeah i guess in a yeah. way that i think is really hard to do yeah but they have it that the reason they haven't written the song that unites everyone is it's not really about them writing a song to unite everyone yeah, it's just about it everyone ha- like like i like how like we're going into the credits they kind of go into it because they did a competition not a competition but where everybody could submit themselves like playing air guitar and or mm. like locking around and oh, it, is that what that and is and then so right. the idea is that it just unites the world because everyone starts to pick up a instrument and and it's yeah, because the it infinite they harmonize the universe given yeah. everyone instruments yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I love and that. That. Means they, that was amazing. That means they do save the day. Yeah. That's what I like. Like, it is actually them who save the day. They're just not the ones who write the song. Yeah. Which nails it. Like, I really like it. Um, So, yeah, like, they, they finally realise their daughters are meant to write the song. They ha- their USB drive is broken, so they haven't got the song. But they just tell their daughters to get the band together and start, like, playing. And you see them kind of creatively playing with the different members of the band like telling what Mozart to play and telling Louis Armstrong what to do and and getting the bass working and you got this really nice cacophony of noises that start coming together well, it's nice which just it's, works for me it's just a simple riff which is something it that is, everyone yeah. could just hum or play do you know what I mean that, yeah, that's the idea yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, it's something that everyone could easily play and then that's and um 
at the same time, you got Bill and Ted realizing that it's not about them playing a song right now. It's about the fact that the universe and all realities have to hear this song. Yeah, yeah. So they they go through time with the princesses, or they don't go through time. They go through all realities with the princesses. I love the fact hang, that hang... Bill Ted's trying to. Is it Bill and Ted are just trying to put the whole of That's... infinity? I laughed so much at that bit when they try and die on infinity and they just it keeps coming back to them. They're like five, six, one, and then it goes around, and comes back three, five. Why don't you just press the infinity button? <laughs> oh yeah. And at that point when they hit the infinity button and they, they shoot up into the air and like become infinite beings, I was floored. Yeah, I was, I was so like, that was bored. so cool. Like I was so on board with everything that was going on and I love the happiness of it and the noises and and everything just works. And I was so like, it was like, I was not just relieved that the film was working for me. I was relieved that it was working in the film yeah, itself yeah, no, as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? It was all ticking, right? Um, there's a really funny bit where Ted's handing that instrument and he speaks to Deacon and Missy and goes, oh, by the way, I'm an infinite being right now. <laughs> See you later. Like... <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you get all the music coming together and eventually what finishes it is Bill and Ted riff. Um, on their guitars themselves and it ends <laughs> yeah. like... i mean like i said to you it's it's a very abrupt ending yeah um but i, I just had a had a lot of fun with it and I, it yeah. just brought me a lot of joy and I, I saw people criticizing that saying that keanu reeves wasn't like ted but i thought he was a 50 oh, year old version fine. of ted and i thought yeah was, perfect they are meant to be older versions they're not meant to be the exactly. 20 year old versions like wherever they were like, i mean if i was to be really honest i'd probably would say alex winter has probably pips him just a little bit but it's very marginal i think they're both fantastic in it so yeah i think i as i say ted gets that kind of just um ted gets that just kind of looseness that yeah. of keanu's performance again it feels like ted to me yeah ted's got like else, those like. floppy arms that kind of like as he turns yeah, yeah. around his arms will then follow him he's yeah yeah his arms follow later and he kind of reacts at the same speed to stuff like you know bill saying something and he's like oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah like yeah yeah and he gets that down really lovely and it feels like it feels like bill and ted are on the screen again despite it being that much longer yeah and it's not a perfect movie and you can see there were you know you've talked about budgetary things that meant they couldn't do stuff they wanted to do but it works and that, that just filled me with so much love well, things don't the fact have that to it be perfect to be enjoyable do you know what i mean no you know no and like it's there's something so there's something so full like there's something so fulfilling about the end of that film just being the song to harmonize everything and yeah. Bill and Ted playing it. And I didn't know that I needed to watch that until I watched this film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I was yeah, happy yeah. with the weird Bill and Ted plot that somehow they save the world with their music. I eventually, didn't really care. someday, yeah. Yeah, you know, whatever. They We're just singing another adventure with them. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm glad that they, they managed to kind of pull those what frankly are jokes from the other films into a plot of a film that works well i guess and they I'm kind of wanted satisfied. to just kind of cap it all off and say okay we're done now but we've kind of gone out on the highest note we possibly can i guess and possibly can on the story yeah, yeah. totally yeah because i don't think we need a bill and ted for no and no, there's no nothing to say and i don't think like, i was ever clamoring for a bill and ted three but when it was announced i'll no. be like well of course i'm gonna go and see it and i'm looking forward to it yeah, sure and probably if they announce a bill and ted four i'll be like yeah i'll go and watch it but right now i'm sure, very yeah. content with 
I was reticent that they wouldn't be able to pull something together that worked for yeah. me. And when I realized it was working for me, that was a really nice feeling. Like, a really nice to go, oh, like, it was like relief that, oh, shit, this is working for me. And that's all I wanted. <laughs> do you know? Like, I mean, like, you could say, I don't know what they could do now because they've done what they were supposed to do. But then if you look back at the other two, as we said, they're like, they're standalone adventures. Yeah, so sure. they could if they wanted to. I don't think they need to. No, I I think it would be pointless. Yeah, really. Like, but I don't know. Whatever. Who knows? But it worked. Yeah, and it's and it works. I say like, there's something about um, there's something about in portraying in a film a band pulling off a musical performance that always gets to me. Yeah, like I I don't know what it is. I can like I was trying to think. There was a thing I was watched recently. It did that. But it like uh, I guess School of oh, Rock does watched... it, and School of Rock does it. Yeah, totally. I watched um, an anime called um, Zombieland Saga. Okay, and it's about um, it's about this idol band, a Japanese idol band that are made up of zombies. I need to see this and... film. <laughs> it, it's wonderful. I really love it, honestly. And a lot of those episodes end with them out of like strife, managing to pull off a really good musical performance. And I was realizing. Each time it works for me. Like, it grabs me by the heart and it really always gets to me. I guess we tried to do that with our film that we wrote. And um, mm, and I, I do... That's we, true. Like, looking back, I think... Now I think I could properly tackle that film and do it justice. I mean, sure. it'd need a good rewrite, but I think sure. I could do that film and properly do it justice. But I probably wouldn't be where I am. Not saying I'm an amazing filmmaker or whatever, but... I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't have made that film. If we oh, hadn't yeah, made totally. It. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Film school. I haven't watched it in a long time. So just for the audience no. out there, we made me and Liam made a film together called Lost in the Headlights, and it is it's like a comedy drama, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. about a rock band called The Old Scientist Die. Proper pretentious name. <laughs> Old Scientist Die, yeah. And, no, the. It's like the Eagles. Yeah, and... Um, yeah, it's, I'd say it's like a... It's a just a... For the first 30, 40 minutes, it's about a band trying to kind of become famous and then all of a sudden their drummer dies in an accident. It's about how they kind of deal with the death of their drummer. And, um, yeah, I mean, we definitely learnt a lot making that film, for sure. <laughs> we uh, we bit off slightly more than we can Should. chew in terms of, like, dramatic presentation of a death yeah, or something uh, in a film. But and, we were trying. And we made it okay. just before like, HD equipment was kind of... Oh, we did, didn't we? It was we? just yeah. before it was readily available or easy. Yeah, to, like, affordable, yeah. yeah. You know, if we had made it, like, three or four years later, we probably could have done it and it would, and it would have looked yeah. okay. But we were using, like digital hate digital what is it called like mini dv tapes so it's like digital mini dv tapes yeah but yeah but but on the heel of that we worked with some good actors who we still work with today and um yeah, yeah you know including natalie exactly yeah. yeah so yeah god yeah i, I, I never think of that maybe we should re-watch that film one day i haven't seen it in about 10 years so i'm scared to i watch don't know it. if i want to <laughs> <laughs> hokey dialogue <laughs> oh what god what else I guess like I had a grand thing that I've been thinking about with Bill and Ted and I mentioned it earlier and it might sound a bit bad Gone. but the fact that like Bill and Ted is this bright utopian future yeah. based on like pop culture and technology and like the 90s that idea slowly fades away even though it's still kind of there but you see in loads of pop culture throughout the 90s 
And then you get kind of 2000s hit and you get 9-11, you get infinite war in the Middle East and and, yeah. and you get recessions are hitting us a lot. Like the idea that our future is going to drive out some grand perfect world stops being a thing that pop culture does. And it's really kind of cool in 2020 to see a film that's actually about that and about the idea that there are these people in the world that are bright sparks, that are happy people, that can believe in like a... A utopian perfect yeah, I, future. I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, 100%. And they're driving for it in this year because it's set in 2020. Then in this year, they're they're still trying to achieve yeah, that. Yeah. And it's and it's nice because the reality of the world, you know, global warming and COVID and whatever and recession and Brexit and whatever the hell is going on is all too much for us. And it's nice to see these avatars of just love yeah. to kind of fight for our future. And I will like. I will fight for Bill and Ted for that. Like, <laughs> fight for good they believe in this and I'll fight for them. Like I think. <laughs> That's my kind of review of the Bill and Ted. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% on board with that. Yeah. And, and any more final thoughts, really? Like, Not really. Uh, it's definitely a film I will revisit quite frequently, yeah. I think. I mean, I've only watched it at once, but it, you know, I only saw it like last week, so give me some time. Jeez. Sure. But... Um, <laughs> No, <laughs> no, I'm definitely going to. You're not letting me use face. seen it three times. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like you said, Bill and Ted like is a big part of our childhood. You know, yeah. you hired a cinema out for my stag do, and we watched Bill and Ted's uh, excellent we adventure. Excellent so adventure, you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah, a, we should have said that. At the start, it's a big yeah. part of our <laughs> lives, and you know, and it, and I think it will continue to do so. Yeah, I think so you too. Know, and it's yeah, it's a good. They they're. they're Maybe the second one's a bit darker, but I think they're good films for kids. Kids like them as well, you know, evident that we were kids when we watched them. And I think, you know, this new film is definitely like an all-ages kind of film, maybe. Yeah. And I think it's nice and that, like, um, you know, you, you could sit down if you've got kids, then with your older, your parents and stuff, and kind of, it's like the whole family could actually enjoy it and get something out of it in one way or another. I was, I was going to say as well, I thought about the casting. They did kind of try and be inclusive as well. Um, I do like the fact that the the it's Louis Armstrong and Jimi Hendrix they pull through time. Yeah. Like, it's who are, you know, and not just a bunch of, like, white musicians from the 80s or something. I do like the fact that they Yeah, but they, also, they if, you, if it's not for, like, Louis, people like Louis Armstrong, you don't have the rock music no, that you have now. It's, exactly. it's like, you know, it all goes... Like, this is why if there's any racism in rock music, like, in punk rock in metal like how can you how can you possibly it all stems back to blues and stuff like that you know that's where yeah, that's where your roots are and if you and i like that and i like the white guy they pull out is mozart because fuck of course it is yeah like yeah. i did like that scene <laughs> though where it's got Jimi hendrix rocking out i love he's when getting he comes out and jimmy's like hey how you doing wolfie <laughs> <laughs> i'm jimmy like i was like yeah yeah you are like, yeah the landing effects in this film are a lot better of the of the uh that's true yeah because in the in the first film they didn't have much money so apparently every effect where the uh phone box lands is someone just looking up and then looking down as it lands because they didn't have the money to oh. drop it or do the oh, okay so now you've actually got the phone box actually go landing and stuff like yeah 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 oh cool i shouldn't think anything else like i we i don't know if i want to mention the kind of elephant in the room with the bill and ted films i think we said it before about the um the f slurs oh in the first it's, two and i didn't i always knew about the one in the first one which the, it's really badly placed in the first one um but it happens like three times in back's journey does it god and, yeah and it's 
and one of them's the evil ones say it and i can't remember what the other one is um but yeah like i noticed it today when watching them and i was like that's unfortunate yeah because that's like that's just and it's just where society was when they made that film and it, which is the i mean the i don't problem. think the writers wrote it from a hateful place necessarily it's just no, they didn't write it saying I'm going to be hateful towards like queer people yeah, today. Yeah, it's just... But it was just the society at the time when they wrote it. Yeah. And was that? I mean, and you was, know, when we were at not school, seen any other way. in that time, you know, people would just go, "Oh, you're gay," even if you know, sure, just, yeah, because that's what it was like back then. But thankfully, times have moved on and people have learned. Thankfully, and times have moved up. on, yeah. And I can see, I could see them if they're releasing this in like a 4K or something to do a quick edit. Do you think so? I could. I could if they cared enough. Well, it has like Shout it's... Factory released uh, Bogus Journey and Excellent Adventure like last year in a two pack. Oh, did and they? It's so still in they, there, they, so it's still in there. Then maybe not. But I think it's I think bit, in the commentary track jarring. they talk about it. They kind of they acknowledge it, sure. and they say, you know, we regret doing this. But but I think it's you just know, one of those things. As a modern audience, you'll notice it. But it's just one of those That's things. Like, do you erase things like that from the past? And or it's a very big conversation. Yeah, I know, but it's like it's one of the, <laughs> that is the conversation. It's like Disney have done a lot of that, haven't they? Like erasing things out of their films and things like that. Sure, I think films can always be ongoing pieces to adjust if no. you're if they're still living. Ask, ask George of, Lucas. <laughs> He'll agree with you. Exactly, it. like, and I don't know. It's it's yeah. I think things not... like that that are hateful. I think can probably go. it's it's when they feel so out of place but i mean you can watch we're doing this on this podcast we're going back and watching older films and i think like there's a lot of language in those films that so out of place that don't that you kind of jar you and you kind of think like are we meant to think that because they're saying that they're really horrible people or are they just saying this because it's the 70s well i guess if you're making a film like american history x yeah you expect someone to say hateful stuff in it because that's what it's about it's about someone kind of I was thinking of Pelling One Two Three. Yes, uh, yeah, hundred yeah, yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh god, that was weird. Okay. Yeah. I think it just sticks but... out more because of where we are in society and now. And I know we're not perfect or any, by any means, but like, yeah, of course not. We're definitely like a lot better with things like that, and uh, well, I should hope we are. And we're all, well, we're all more the, conscious. The key about is it. to just be mindful of it, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And that's that's how you get better, right? So yeah. So what we talking about next week? Yeah, so next week we're back to our 70 mini series and we're doing Time After Time. Yeah. Which is another time travel. Oh, yeah, good so point. It goes in quite where we've been in Ted, yeah. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe on all the uh, podcast apps that you use, be it like Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or even on YouTube or Spotify. Uh, please follow us and talk to us on Twitter. We are at adjust your track that's a yr not a your you can even follow us on instagram we're at better feeling uh, films on instagram and uh, better feeling on uh, twitter and yeah don't forget if the picture's bad always adjust your tracking mm-hmm.